Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. I'm Ian Alex. And I'm Britton. Um, guys, I was talking to a, a young boy at work yesterday at the library, and he gave me uh, a, a Little Caesars pizza hack. Oh, I and thought I- I thought you said hat for a second. <laughs> I got very he gave excited. me a hat from Little No, a hack for okay. Little Caesars, okay. and I'd like to share it with you guys. Uh, cheese bread. Okay. Cheese bread, and he, as, as he put it, it's great for on the go. Can you, can you elaborate? Well, yeah, dude. I mean, if I'm driving and I'm doing all my errands, and I'm craving some za, uh-huh. but uh, yeah, as one does, as, as one does, and I'm like, man, I don't have time to haul a big old slice into my mouth. No worries, dude. Just pry that off. Nom, nom, nom. Now I've got more errand fuel. I've got so, all my errand energy. Also, if you're going to pull a real Alex over here and not like pizza sauce, it's not even on there. It comes on the <laughs> side. What? Wait, so so is is the hack just ordering? Is the this, the is hack this, is ordering cheese bread. This is a menu item. This is, yep. Okay, so it's not oh, – yes. like it's not off the – The whole thing – You're not like, hey, I want to order a pizza, but I don't want any sauce. Give me the sauce on the side. Exactly. That's not the hack. No, no, no. The hack is get cheese bread if you don't like pizza sauce. Well, that's – I mean, I, I mean, understand. Look, I get it. I mean, here for it. I was grateful for it. And then you know, I was talking to him and I was like as, – as we're having this conversation – and he's this wonderful kid that I, I see a lot, and um, we're, we're just having this great chat. And then by the end of it, I was like, "There's nothing in my life I want more right now than some cheese bread. <laughs> I am, I could kill some cheese bread right now, dude." <laughs> kid is clearly working for the man. He is uh, <laughs> a little capitalist big, drone. Big little, big little Caesars. <laughs> oh, I love that HBO show <laughs> where 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 Reese Witherspoon and Laura Dern eat pizza. Now, now, guys, so uh, we are going to be talking about a movie, which, which we'll get to in a second, but uh, this, this podcast is also going to be, uh, the, the back half is going to be our 2019 yeah. review. Uh, Alex, what are your top uh, 2019 pizza franchises? Um, oh, that's true. Give us, give us the, well, the power rankings. Well, before I get into that, I got to say, we all live in a society. That's so, true. like, that's just of a pizza. Huge well, caveat uh, I have two, to throw two people or more creates a society. Correct. My mom taught sociology, Correct. so mm-hmm. <laughs> I um, know a little bit. Let's see. Let's see. Um, Papa John's got to be number one. Everyone loves Papa mm-hmm. John's. Mm-hmm. Not controversial at all. Papa John's. Uh, here, <laughs> it's some real, some real uh, method acting um, from Papa John here, uh, going all in on eating all those pizzas. He uh, was. It was. I mean, it was pointed out to me that uh, his name is John, and he said, "No, no, no. I want to be called Papa. Correct. <laughs> Call me Papa John. Papa to a nation." <laughs> That'd be like if I one of our founding papas. That'd be like if I I called my movie blog Papa Britain's Big Movies, (laughs) Papa Britain's Good Time Flicks. Okay, but why haven't you? That's a really good point. And now I'm just imagining Papa John's having the authority to put his face on Mount Rushmore, and they put in all the work. They put it up like he is the 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 fifth face on Mount Rushmore, and he looks at it and goes. I'm just not feeling it, guys. I think you got to remove all the other faces and just have it be mine, <laughs> it, taking up the entire area. Isn't that what idiocracy is about? <laughs> Probably. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, don't make me list yes. off more pizza franchises because I don't want <laughs> we to. We used to have one in my hometown called Gumby's Pizza, mm-hmm. which is a pizza place just based on the thesis of the clay character Gumby. Okay. 
and the cheese sticks were called pokey sticks. Um, okay. Yeah, I did tell you, they though, not get sued over this? I mean, I don't, I, well, when I don't you're in know. a small enough town, you can kind of just go with it. I don't know yeah. if I don't actually or, know. Or which if the Gumby time. franchise is like, we got to branch out. That's true. People aren't watching claymation shorts anymore about robots going haywire. We got to break into pizza. <laughs> That's what the people love. Anyways, anyways. So, uh, you know, you know who loves pizza? Uh. The character of Arthur Fleck in The Joker. He sure does. He's clearly eaten so much of it. Of course, yeah. He knows that cheese bread hack. He gets some cheese bread on the go. You know, that scene where he just stuffs himself in his fridge, it's because he had to get to the pizza. Correct. The cold pizza that he had left over. That was not a funny joke. Anyway, (laughs) The Joker from 2019, directed by Todd Phillips. It has a 68%... Rotten Tomatoes score from the really critics, interesting eighty eight percent audience score. I did not realize yeah. it got that low. Yeah, me neither. Huh. I thought, wow. I know that people um, were divided on it. I didn't yeah. know that the critics felt that that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just so everybody's aware, we're going to be talking Joker, and then we're going to get into our twenty nineteen in review. So, first things first. Uh, Tyler, uh, yeah. how do you feel about Joker and best and worst things? I have I have mixed feelings. Um, as far as my best thing goes, um, I mean, I, I think it's very difficult not to say Joaquin Phoenix unless you're be- just being quitcher- qu- contrarian. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, like, I think the only reason you could really say something else than that is because... You know, like there, there's been a lot of talk it's because somebody took your best thing, and now you have to come up with something that, else. That as well, um, <laughs> that as well. Uh, but like, there's been a lot of talk about how oh, he's doing a lot of the method acting, and like, you know, he was kind of being not maybe not as much as like Jared Leto on um, sure Suicide Squad, but apparently he was being like kind of a nut and being a jerk to people or, or scaring people or like, like I don't know. There, there's been a, a handful of rumors like that. I mean, I don't know what exactly happened. Yeah. Um, but I know there's been a little bit of people being distasted having distaste for the fact that he did that whereas like you've got a lot of other deserving like performances this year that weren't didn't have to take that much like uh and, and i think it's that and the um i was gonna say the uh, starving himself basically yeah like all of that together i think a lot of people find that to be kind of like an un- unhealthy performance and i think that taking Even though the the uh, starving himself wasn't his idea. Sure, it's Todd Phillips' sure. idea. Yeah. Um, but I think taking a lot of that uh, into it would be the only way that you could say this isn't like a really really good performance. Sure. Is if you're trying to be like, well, this, we shouldn't praise it because of all these other factors. But it's a really good performance. It's um, very good work. I I, I think <clears throat> I got to go with that as my best thing. Like it, it's often terrifying. Um, it's weird. I don't know if I love it for an actual Joker performance. And obviously this is not like trying to be comic book accurate by any stretch of the imagination. It's not joining the canon the way that others are. I have more qualms about how they've adapted the character of the Joker that we can get into. Um, But overall, the performance, I think has to be the best thing. Mm. Um, My worst thing that was not as apparent to me until I watched it the second time I'd seen it in theaters when it came out, and, and then we just rewatched it for this episode, as we usually do. Um, my worst thing, I think, is the use of the... Uh, I don't even know what you call them. 
um, the sequences where he is having delusions about mm. what's actually happening. Okay. Because I think that makes both the plot of this movie and the general, like, the themes and the... I don't want to say what this movie is trying to say, because not every movie has to do that. But I think the fact that there are so many stretches of this movie where you don't know what's happening um, really, really muddle what it's going for. Um, I had a real roller coaster with this one for that that yeah. reason, where I was specifically talking about Zazie Beat's character. Yes. Where for about half the movie, I was like angrily messaging a friend, like, this is a ter- this is worse than James Bond. This is such right. an offensive love story. I'm so mad. For sure. Oh, it was a hallucination. I take back everything yes. I said. <laughs> so, which is both like, oh, good job, movie. You fooled me. But also, movie. Well, that's my problem is that watching this the first time, I did not believe it for a second. I, I saw oh, right wow. away. I was like, no, that, yeah, that's I, not, there's no yeah, way that I, I that is actually yeah. what they're going for. Uh-huh. Um, and then when it got revealed to me, I was like, well, yeah. And I, did, I, I hate that sort of like analysis of film where it's like, oh, well, I saw where it was going the whole time. That's not my point. Yes, my point is that the it's so exaggerated in terms of her just being like, oh, yeah, you know, actually, I love you. And yeah, you know, the guy who shot the, the Wall Street guys, he's a hero, you know, and like the fact that she said and they just like immediately make out after he shoots those guys. Yeah. Like, like all of that is so over the top that I'm like, I don't. Like, I get that the idea is that it's delusions, and so he's trying to sort of convince himself that, you know, it's what he wants. Yeah. Um, But I think it's so sort of exaggerated and, and kind of obvious. It, I don't know. It. I found it very weird. I feel like it, it messes with what the, like, narrative flow of the movie, especially on a rewatch, because you know it's all there, and it's like, okay, we're spending a, a long time on, like, these fantasies of his. Mm-hmm that don't really play out in a meaningful way. Like, he gets upset when she realizes that, uh, or he realizes that uh, she, I was going to say, is not actually dating him or whatever. Yeah, 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 But that's, like, one factor in a larger issue of him um, finding out that he's adopted and, and all this mm-hmm. stuff with his mom and, like, all this this crazy sort of other things that are are really a lot more important to his character. And we spent a good amount of time establishing those scenes with him spending time with her. Um, I felt like there's just... I feel like that... I do like the scene where he imagines himself on the set of... um, Oh, uh, Murray Franklin. Murray Franklin, yeah. yeah. Um, I do do like that scene. I think that's... Because that, again, is very, very obvious. Yes. It's like, okay. And, And it's like it transitions because it's like, okay, he's looking at the TV... Now he's in the audience. Now he's back looking at the TV. And okay. this is so such a you, hyperbolic. You, you did, yeah. All, yeah it's, you, 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 you did that well. Um, but all the stuff with Zazie Beats. And I, is there anything else that I'm I'm not thinking of? There's a couple of moments where I wasn't clear on if if the movie's just like not telling the story very well. Yes. Like the whole thing about his coworker giving him a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, because. The scene, as we see it, he, he his friend is just like, oh, I don't want you to get beat up again. Here's a gun. Take it. Right. Um, but then one of the reasons he ends up getting fired is because his friend is like, oh, yeah, uh, he tried to buy a gun off mm-hmm. of me a couple of weeks ago. And so I don't know if it's just like the guy is actually thought of just kind yeah, of – huh. if he's just kind of not a good friend and mm-hmm. he was just – Trying to get him fired. Is 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 it is, is, is Arthur like imagining him being friendly to him or what's what's the deal? Well, I think that's an interesting I think that's the read the movie is trying to get you to see is oh his friend was just being a jerk 
or yeah. or whatever. Like his friend is trying to throw him under the bus because he doesn't like him or isn't actually or his friend he's, or whatever. He's being nice, but like when he's under pressure, right. he, he screws him sure. over. Well, sure. and, and then in the scene where he and uh, – I think his name is like Randall or something. And then Gary, who is the man with dwarfism, I believe his mm-hmm. name is Gary. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. When they come to Arthur's apartment and Arthur obviously kills the big guy. He's like super nice in that scene. And and, and do, does he say something about like, yeah, now they're telling me that I gave you a gun? Or is is he – I think so. Was he saying like, hey, did you rap me – did you – implicate me in the thing I actually did or it's like hey did you lie and say I gave you a gun yeah. do you guys remember because I'm a little fuzzy on that scene I'm not sure that's, I can't that... remember exactly what he said but he does hint more at okay. one of those interpretations because I know that he was basically saying like hey am I going to get in trouble for this too but I couldn't tell if it was am I going to get in trouble because you told the truth or, I, or because you lied and yeah. and that's I, I want to put a pin in this because I'm gonna I could spend forever talking about this, yeah. but ultimately that end the biggest thing being at the end of the movie he's in an asylum and it's like oh what was the entire movie in his head or not? I do have another thing, mm-hmm. um, because when he's talking to his um, is it a therapist or just a social uh, worker? Social, social worker, towards, yeah, yep. social worker towards the beginning of the movie, yes. Um, and and he mentions being in a mental hospital. Mm-hmm. Presumably, it would be Arkham mm-hmm. because I don't know why it would be anywhere else because he's lived in Gotham his whole life. And mm-hmm. she goes, "Do you remember why you were there?" Um, and yeah. There's like a quick shot of him banging his head on the door. Yeah. Um, but then later, when he's going to Arkham to see about his mother's records, he's asking the clerk, "Like, what does somebody?" do to have to wind up in here right and the guy starts explaining and it's like you know you were here like i once again i don't know how much is supposed to be made up or mm-hmm. fantasy and mm-hmm. how much is like oh was he actually at the hospital at one point yeah I don't know. and that's my biggest problem with that at, is... at what point is it poor storytelling versus exactly. leaving it up to the audience's imagination yeah. because the reason you leave something up to an audience's imagination is something like yeah, and this is the the poster child for it. I'm I'm sure people get annoyed by people bringing this up, but is the ending of Inception? Yeah, where the point is at the end. Oh, hey, you're you're spending a lot of time thinking about this, but really, it it doesn't actually matter if he's in a dream or not. He's finally mm-hmm. happy. He's finally at peace. Right. So it's like there's thematic resonance behind. Yes, it. Yeah. and and usually if something like this is done well, it's done because of that. This makes the entire movie sort of meaningless. <laughs> like I don't know. And and we'll talk more because there's – I want to get into more of his motivations and like how he becomes the Joker and that I have stuff to th- say about his comic book character versus this character and everything. But ultimately all of that, I feel like it kind of falls apart a little bit because you don't understand what they're, they're going for and, and like you don't know what's real and what's not. So it's kind of like are you just telling me it, – I feel like it makes it so that it's very hard – to do anything other than simplify the theme of the movie quite a bit and just be like, well, don't treat mental health people bad because it's bad. And it's like, okay. <laughs> like, I, I feel like it distills what, what the movie is trying to say so much. Um, I don't know. That, that, that for me was really frustrating on this rewatch. Sure. And I, I think that I, I, I look at a movie like a, a beautiful mind, mm-hmm. which has a similar um, dealing with hallucinations and whatnot. And when I rewatched that movie, I went, oh, all the clues were here, Mr. Right. Police. Like, this was – yeah, this movie was never lying to me about what was and wasn't a hallucination. It was – it was um, not absconding. What's the word? I'm looking, obfuscating Obscuring. it. Obscuring? Obscuring yes. it, yeah. 
so that there could be a reveal later, but also it was always kind of there yes. in the first place. And I think that if the only question about this that I with the hallucinations was with uh, Zazie Beats, I'd be like, okay, it was trying to trick us, but I, I see what you're doing mm-hmm. there. But that, that there are other scenes that we're now going, was that a hallucination? Yeah. Because like you said, Alex, that's not – there, there is intentionally fuzzy storytelling, and then there's not effective storytelling. <laughs> all the intentionally fuzzy storytelling makes you start to question: Is all the storytelling fuzzy? Yeah, intentionally, but, unintentionally, I don't know. And in a way that's frustrating and not. Oh wow, this movie has yes. so much for us to yes. unpack and explore. It's like, well, then did any of it happen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. What's your best thing and worst thing? Um. So the. Huh. So uh, what I'm going to go with for my best thing is the I th- what, what I interpreted as the thesis statement of the movie, mm-hmm. which is – because Todd Phillips has given a lot of interviews and said a lot about people didn't understand the movie is supposed to be about empathy and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And I fully believe him. Yeah. I absolutely think that that is what they wanted to do. <clears throat> Now, I don't know the neck, if they were like, oh, we want to make a Joker movie, and then through making that, it kind of ended up here as a mental health uh, mm-hmm. uh, fable, or if they started with that and then said, oh, what if we did it through the Joker? I, yeah. I, I don't know that right. <clears throat> that story. But I agree with that, and I this, this idea that like society creates monsters, mm-hmm. I like, and I think that's often very true. We, we look at a lot of... Violent crimes that happen, um, and people always want to point fingers at the movies, and they say, oh, it's a video game or whatever. But as my mother and I have always said – as my mother has said and that I have since said, if a movie or a video game is enough to drive you to commit this act, there's other things going on. There are other problems in your life. And that society is – and I think this movie largely does a good job of illustrating that, that – Possibly someone else gives him a gun. He, it's other people start beating him up. Other people aren't listening, and other yeah. people are ignoring him and denying him what he he needs. And his mother and her problems and all, which that's another kind of implication there. But, but I like that the thesis statement of this movie is: we need to be more empathic about people who are struggling. Mm-hmm. We need to listen, and because if we don't, no bad things can happen. I don't think this movie is intending to suggest. If you don't look after the mentally ill, they're going to commit violent crimes. Right. I, I, I don't think that's what the movie is saying. I think the movie gets too close to that sometimes, yeah. accidentally. Like when the Joker, once he's become the Joker, says, what do you get when you cross a mentally ill person, right. such and such, with a society that doesn't look after him, and then he, he shoots Robert De Niro? I was like, I understand. I understand. Mm-hmm. But I could very easily see yes. someone going. So, are you suggesting that yeah. mentally ill people are all violent criminals? Which is, of course, not the case. And, but at the same, so, so it's like I think that the movie was kind of tone deaf in its execution in a lot of ways, but not intentionally callous. I think this movie does have a heart, mm-hmm. and I think that it, it, it is a and, and that I really appreciate. Which leads to my my worst thing, which is how this movie made me feel. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've talked in the podcast before about, you know, my own mental health issues and depression and anxiety and everything. And this movie like triggered me really, really hard. Like as a person who deals with feelings of isolation and depression and all this stuff a lot. And, and I've never you know gone to any sort of violent, act, but like when I was a, a younger person and still figuring all this stuff out, like as someone who has beaten my head against walls or telephone poles, 
because I was there was such calamity in my head and I didn't yet have the skills to work through it and cope with it. I want movies like this to exist Mm -hmm. in the sense I want those thesis statements to exist. And I want movies specifically about men, but really about everybody because no one is encouraged to talk about mental health in society. I want people to see these movies and for these movies to be well-made and be well-received. And so that's why I really value the thesis statement of the movie, but why I also took more umbrage with like the times it faltered a little bit. When I was like, ooh, but that, I don't know. I mean, I don't think you meant that, so ultimately, you know, pass, but like, uh, But like, it just triggered me so much, and I've just been in this very like raw, upset state for the last day, because I watched it last night. Yeah. And I, it's hard for me to be able to fully analyze the movie, because I'm still like coming out of that place. Mm. And I don't, I don't hate the movie for doing that because I understand that, like, no matter no matter what you watch, you bring your own self to it. Right. It's hard to watch anything objectively right. fully. You can only kind of do that later, but then you're going with your memory, so it's a whole thing. Right. And, and this movie was just, I don't know. There are things I think it does really well as a movie, but it just left me in such a, in such a way, and not in the sort of dulled hollow way that like a bone tomahawk or hereditary does where you're like just you've watched this genre craziness you know where you're like that's wild and i'm just kind of hollowed out but i'm thrilled in a mm-hmm. way or the catharsis of something like a schindler's list or right. i'm trying to think of like a recent maybe maybe moonlight i don't know mm-hmm. where you're like wow that's so heavy but like i i grew from that and I learned from that. And I think there's is... probably a few uh, movies that we'll talk about. Uh, back of Hack of the <laughs> I think, I think you might be right. Yes. And, and, but this just felt hollowed. Or I just felt hollow after it. That said, I still can't fully hold that against the movie. It's just... I don't know. It's such a weird thing. Uh, so, so, I, so, so there's my little treatise on that. But I, in, in terms of more specific bests and worsts, I think it's a great looking movie. I like the way it's shot. There's a lot of really lovely photography in it, and I love the music. Great score. Oh boy, big thumbs up. And uh, I thought Robert De Niro was kind of unnatural as a talk show host. <laughs> I really enjoyed him when he wasn't being the talk show host. Uh-huh. Like I thought he was great in the scene where he yeah. and uh, Arthur are having that kind of not standoff, but you know when they're talking. Yeah. But all those I thought were great. But when he was like doing his jokes, I went, "This you feel so stilted and weird, Bob." Huh. Maybe that's just see me. I, I, don't know. I think for me, I was very much like, yeah, that's a very authentic talk show <laughs> performance. I will say though, I really appreciate the meta casting yeah. uh, from King yeah. of Comedy, which is a great movie. So, Alex, uh, best thing? I, I think I, I ended up liking this the most out of the sure. three of us. Sure. Um, even on rewatch, I did notice the problems that you pointed out, Tyler, mm-hmm. and that was very apparent to mm-hmm. me. I guess it didn't bother me that much overall. Um, best thing, obviously, Joaquin Phoenix's performance. Oh yeah, we got we got we got two amazing Joker performances, and then Jared Leto in the middle. <laughs> and when two great Joker performances that are different, and this does not fe- this did not feel aping of right. Heath Ledger's yeah, at a, all. That's a big thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a completely different interpretation. Yeah, and I, I do appreciate mm-hmm. that. Um, 
I guess it, going for a separate thing. I just like the tone and atmosphere. I love I love the way it's shot. Yeah, yeah. I just like the locations they pick. Like just that that location with like the endless stairway. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's it's what just, I was. It's just a really cool looking image. Yeah. I was gonna say the um. <sighs> I had words. Uh, you mentioned the empathy and mm. and the fact that it doesn't feel like it's it's just trying to like say oh mentally ill people are administered to society no, if yeah, you don't treat yeah. them right or whatever um i think that like a, the shots of him dancing are very like it's like this is him at his most free like the he's right the, the movie cares about what he wants and how he feels and like that i think that those shots on the stairs especially are very much like he's he's released like feeling a little bit of release and mm-hmm. like I think yeah. and healthy release. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, I, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, yeah, I, I just like how it's like grungy nineteen mm-hmm. eighties like New York, and I know it's completely aping off of Scorsese. Everyone knows that. Yeah, Scorsese it, <laughs> was going to be a producer on the movie and then backed out. I uh, whatever. Um, but I also it it wears that inspiration on its sleeve yes, in a way that yeah. I think enhances the movie more than than anything else. Yeah, and and I haven't seen Taxi Driver. Maybe I would watch it and go, yeah, this is like a lesser version of that. I don't even know why they made this in the first place. When we have that, um, I've seen King of Comedy, and I I do think this ends up being different enough from that at least to justify I agree. itself. Yeah. Um, King of Comedy is honestly, it's it's more funny than this. <laughs> this movie is like a whole lot heavier than King of Comedy, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I just really like the way the movie looks. Mm-hmm. I, I think, in terms of like what I want for future Batman movies, I want it to look more like this. Yeah, because like like grimy, dirty, garbage piled up in the streets, like that look. It seems unrealistic and it looks more comic booky, but that's like actually how New York kind of looked in like the late seventies and early eighties. Um, so they're they're clearly just taking elements from that, but it looks very just cinematic. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that. And the, and the colors it, I think are very well chosen, and and yeah. there there are, there are shots that are also just pretty. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that's as well there's, a well. There's framed. a handful of good like wide shots of like. You get a little bit of the river in there, and you mm. get a bridge and like the road, and 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 just sort of like establishing shots that are nice. Yeah, and it doesn't look too Gotham-y, yeah. while totally being a Gotham. And I don't mean this is something we touch on later. The way that it when when it is like, oh, now we are doing our comic book movie, yeah. our comic book character Gotham Batman stuff, and when we're definitely when we're not right. But I think it ultimately does a nice job of of feeling like and I always believed that it was Gotham, but I didn't feel like it was going. It it's Gotham. Mm. We're in mm. Gotham. I liked that. It okay, helped. look, it's the Statue of Liberty, but it says Gotham City on top. <laughs> right, right. You remember when they did that in a Batman movie? <laughs> which, which which one did they do that in? Batman Forever, oh. the beginning of that movie, Tommy Lee Jones crashes a helicopter into the Statue of Liberty that is apparently next to Gotham. I'd That's forgotten right. about that completely. Wow. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Um, my worst thing, I, I think all of us are very much on a similar wavelength with, with what we like and what we don't like about the movie. Um, the movie's just not very subtle. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's like very blatant when it, like, just a little bit. 
pulling back a little bit would be nice. And it's it's weird because that makes the elements where we're confused about what the movie's trying to say that much worse. Yeah. Yes. Because when the movie wants to be obvious, it is obvious. Yes. What do you take when you when you put a, a, a mental loner against a society that, that abandons him? Oh, you get what you effing deserve. Like, that's like the most ham-fisted... Like, I get what the movie's hmm. about, okay? Like, you, you literally spelled it out for me. And I feel like the movie did that a lot, particularly with his jokes. Like, just mm. looking at, like, his notepad and stuff, mm. I'm like, I get that his jokes are supposed to be lame, but they're also really, really obvious for the audience <laughs> in terms of, like, here's what the movie's about. Which is funny that there was so much dis- disagreement about what the movie was about, that so yes. many people yeah. felt interpreted interpreted it so differently. And I think some of, some of that comes from people are going to see what they want to see. Right. And some of that comes from, like you said, there are points in the story that are just fuzzy in a way that they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because I, I, I kind of want to get into my read on the movie. And I think Tyler had a similar read the first time that we watched it where the movie's almost meta in terms of people don't know how to interpret things. Yeah. And people just interpret things wildly. Mm. Um and it's just interesting that that kind of the media and just culture in general had no idea what to make of the movie before it came out, and so they were all just like, "Oh, it's a it's gonna call people to violence." Oh no, you're, yeah. you, you know, it's just a, a goofy comic book movie. Like nobody knows what to make of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in the movie, it's it's like you've you've got you've got a lot of the the. I don't know if you call them the underclass of Gotham, I guess, who take this act of violence against these people just because they happen to be rich. And they use it as, as an excuse to cause chaos and violence in the city and cause riots. But then you have uh, Thomas Wayne, who we have shown to not seem like a super nice yeah. guy. Mm. And he's just like, oh, I'm going to use this act of violence as an excuse to run for mayor and try and get more power. Right. So it's kind of like a critique against both sides yeah. in that way. Yeah. And I, I just find that's interesting given the reaction to this movie before it came out. Yeah. Not even like yes, exactly. when it came out. I, <clears throat> I, I think that some of that had to do with people were afraid of Aurora happening again. Right. And, yeah. and I think that this was something that I heard people talk about before Suicide Squad came out is that they didn't like the design of Jared Leto's Joker because they felt like he looks like the kind of people who might who mm-hmm. you could stereotype as becoming yeah. violent and you know the our we have an interesting relationship with the Joker where he is this oddly romanticized character mm-hmm. um who shouldn't be and I think that not by everybody by any means but right. by pockets of people and so I think that some of that came from fear. A lot of it came from I need a headline for my blog. Yeah. And a lot of it yeah. came from people, you know, just wanting to be upset with something. And I sure. I think right. that the people I've talked to who have seen the movie, even who don't even the ones who don't like it, haven't gotten that read yes. on it. They they don't think this movie is about provoking violence. They think they may dislike it for whatever their reasons are, but I, I the only times I've heard that interpretation are from people who haven't watched the movie. Yes. Who are just right. kind of going and from the peop, peop, people might watch this and think this. Like, I think that really speaks to both the fact that like or what you mentioned, Alex, about oh, it's it's very obvious and that it's like oh, it's like people interpreting this action for political reasons inside of yeah. the movie, um, twisting something to fit their own yes, narrative. It's right. both. I think it it removes a lot of like the like what you're saying, Britain, a lot of the stuff that people put on it without really seeing it. 
But it also goes back to what we were saying about how it's like it kind of leaves the message muddled mm. because this is so obvious that it, you're not really supposed to – it doesn't feel at least like you're really supposed to take it seriously. Mm. Like it feels like you're supposed to yeah. kind of just be like, oh, the, you know, it's obviously it's, – it's our politics today and they're, they're slapping it in here and they're saying everyone's, everyone's silly. Um, okay, great. What – What's underneath that? What? Why are like? Yeah. And I and yeah, it's it's basically like that. And then, oh, nobody wants to talk about mental illness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll be that's like all the movie has yeah. up its sleeve. It, it'll be interesting to see what, how this movie's perceived years later, mm-hmm. when we've had I'm going to guess six more Jokers. And <laughs> no, but, how many years later are we? I think you're underestimating that. <laughs> <laughs> but when when we're you know more removed from it, but also when like right now, so much of that is also to do with people not liking the Oscar nominations, or people not liking things Todd Phillips has said, right. or they're kind of read on him. And so that's. I mean, twisting. just look look at uh, Tom or Todd Phillips's backlog of films, and I can understand why people are kind of hesitant to. To try and look into this, yeah, and and or, or like analyze it on a deeper level, yeah. yeah. And and I look I, again. I think this movie has something to say, and I respect it for that. Yeah, I think that the movie. I think some people have underestimated this movie. I think yeah. the movie overestimates itself a little bit. I think that's oh yeah. I I think the movie is vaguely pretentious, and I think that the movie vaguely. has that sense of like. We're doing a comic book movie that is about something. That means we're smart and amazing. Yeah. When it's like, well, you are – I don't think you're a dumb movie. You don't have to be deep to be smart for one thing. But also like you you need to back that up a little bit more. And also there are plenty of comic, books that are, comic book movies that are about things. We've talked about the Dark Knight trilogy. is very much about hope I think. Um, the Spider-Man movies are about how you you survive because of the people you, of the people that are close uh, the, by making bonds with other people that you need to other people to help get through life. Um, very much like the Avengers movies are about literally teaming up and you're stronger together and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I I think you can take a lot of reason to a lot of different superhero things, but that this movie has a clear directive almost makes me wonder. Did it need to be a Joker movie? Yes, that's Did, a big thing. And I, I mean, that's that's the big question. And I, I remember people even asking that when it was first announced, mm-hmm. and kind of what the premise was. It, people going, "That okay? Are, are you guys just slapping Batman elements on there to yep. get butts in seats?" And even the way Todd Phillips has described it, that's kind of what they mm-hmm. did. And I don't know how I feel about that because I, I like the idea of a person going, "I have a thing I want to say. They're not going to let me say it. I'm gonna." Kind of, pre- I'm going to pretend to play their game with this other thing, and then yep. they'll all walk it. Like I remember uh, Stephen Sondheim when he wrote the musical Company, which is very much about like yuppie relationships and marriages and everything. And he said this was the audience for every musical on Broadway. So now they were coming in to see just another musical, and then they saw their own lives reflected mm-hmm. back at them. And I understand the appeal of that. I, I I could be speaking out of turn here, but there was a movie called Thank You for Your Service a few years ago about uh, a war vet and i i am given to understand the movies very much about how america maybe doesn't treat its returning veterans very well mm-hmm. but the people went to go see it waiting for like a rah-rah military Patriot movie thing, yeah. and then went oh and they're faced with a very different thing and i can right. respect when people do that this felt almost like <laughs> let's take those comic book movies that i totally don't like or anything yeah. i don't know and that's so this is what i want to get into and 
I apologize if I just like ramble for ten minutes here because I have a lot of thoughts that all kind of spill out of this. Um, feel free to, to stop me at any time. Um, feel free. <laughs> so, because we mentioned that the does it feel like it's gotten crazier out there? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's there's a couple of uh, inciting incidents, right? In, in mm-hmm. uh, Arthur Flex life. Um, the first one is the opening of the movie where uh, he his sign gets stolen and he gets beaten over the head with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then later, there's some... Is that a metaphor for the movie? It's literally beating him it over the head. It feels a little bit like it. Um, <laughs> and, and so then he loses the sign, which helps him get pushed towards getting fired. Oh, that's another thing that I was confused about in terms of I don't know if True. it's in his head or not. Sure. Because the boss is like, you stole that sign. And he's like, I didn't steal the sign. So is the boss just like not doing his due diligence and believing the business over him or what? Right. Right. I don't know. Um, the... But basically that event happens and then later... Um, he gets stuck on the train with some these these three Wall Street guys who are harassing some woman, and then he starts laughing because he's got that laughing condition. Yeah, um, and it, and then they come up and they uh, start like harassing him, and then he shoots them all. And I believe it's an is it an accident when he shoots the first one? That's what it seems like. And, and then that kind of sets off. This is kind I of. I think it's like. I think it's just like him, just like defending himself. Yes, it's like okay. an automatic response almost, where he just sh- he shoots two of them and then he chases the. And third And this guy. is where I get confused and concerned, um, because he, yeah, it, initially it's like okay, he's defending himself, and then he goes to shoot the other guy, mm. and like he specifically hunts, him down, hunts yeah. him down and shoots him while he's like trying to run at the stairwell. Um, after he's already shot him in the leg. Yes, and so then it, like. It gets to where it's less okay. He shot some guy, and it, it it's not like the inciting incident doesn't work if it's just one guy, right? Like if he just just shot this guy, and who who was harassing him on the the, the train, then it's like okay, mm-hmm. the you know the, you've got a good reason for everyone to freak out, and then he's freaking out because he knows he did it. Yeah, but like specifically, you give him three, and he shoots all three of them, and it's like. It it goes beyond self defense at that point. Like it it feel the other guy's running away. I mean, to be fair, this this guy's the Joker, and he likes killing. No, people. no, no, no. I'm I'm going there. I'm going there. Yeah, it, um, it's, it's such a quick turn. I'm me. saying specifically the fact that they do that, and then the rest of the movie they're using this event as if it's just like this really happenstance means nothing event. But like he did kill those guys, at least one of them, on purpose. Without like it wasn't a reaction. It wasn't to save himself. It was like, oh, he he did it, and then. Like, he, he just wanted, like, hunted down that guy. Uh, yeah. Um, and there's no, like, esta- it doesn't establish at all that he, you know, did it to try and make sure no one knew who he who he was or knew who yeah. did it. Or, like, he just... That was my reading. And there were people yeah. who saw it because people know later, oh, it was a clown. Right. I thought the idea was just, like, I, based on what we're shown in the movie, I don't even know how to take him just walking out of Zazie Beach's apartment. Uh-huh. We can talk about that if we want to. I don't know. Sure. That's way that's that's like the ultimate it's up to your interpretation what he did i'm like no just tell me um he kills people that wrong him i think that's just the takeaway right but what i'm saying is that he kills these people and in in that moment the movie gets sort of an an active justification of him being like oh yeah you know that that, that was good um like like he, we get a little bit of catharsis on his part of like, yeah, I, I took it out on the people who wronged me. But it doesn't 
basically what I'm getting at is that it does it like that, and there's a little bit of that Joker. Okay, we're we're trying to make him like he's 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 vengeful. He's kind of evil, and and you know he's trying to take it out on people, and he's and he, he thinks the world has wronged him. There's a little bit of that, but there's also quite a lot of like we were saying earlier, like the empathy. Like it's like oh well, you know he's he's just a guy who you know bad stuff happened to or whatever. You know it's not a big deal. Um, he just it, you know like stuff just snowballed, and eventually it, it pushed him to the edge, and he fell off, or whatever. Um, the original Joker origin story. Time for another another comic book corner with R- Tyler. Real quick, can I pop in? Yeah. Really quick, before, well, before I forget it. I wonder if it would have been effective for him to have killed one or three or whatever people purely by accident. Exactly. And then maybe he goes, no, leave me alone. And the gun goes off and right. it kills someone. And he's like, I didn't mean to do that. And then the media finds out about, it, and the media brands him, and people start. Everyone misunderstands that act, and he's like, "I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to do it. I can't believe everyone thinks I'm a killer." And then that part of his the Joker thing starts to come in, and is like, "But it felt kind of good, it, and maybe that guy kind of deserved it. Maybe I should have done it. They don't understand me, and that lends more to the theme of we misunderstand people and we jump to conclusions. I think, and then he starts intentionally hunting yes, people down later. Yes. I think all of that is." In the DNA of what the movie, yeah, like I think all of that is intended by the movie in some fashion, in, in terms of that progression, yeah. Um, but I, I, we'll, we'll okay. put a pin to that, yeah. Um, Tyler's comic book corner. Um, the the original Joker origin story, which a, a lot of people are probably familiar with this, I just I want to briefly touch on it um, because a lot of people probably haven't actually read it. I would think because comics are not that popular, sadly. Um, <laughs> The uh, it's it's the Killing Joke. Uh, they recently made a movie about this that I'm led to understand was quite bad, um, an animated movie. And uh, the idea in the Killing Joke is that we've got the Joker tormenting police commissioner Jim Gordon, um, and he's trying to break him. He's trying to prove that if he has a bad enough day, he will also go crazy and become evil and, and be willing to like kill people and turn on turn on the people he loves. And we get this interspersed with the flashback of the Joker being a failed comedian who, like, over the course of um, th- these these flashbacks, his, uh, I believe his pregnant wife dies, mm. um, maybe, yes. and then uh, he gets roped into this crime that he doesn't want to commit, um, and he's, he's wearing a mask, he's wearing the Red Hood mask, um, and then he gets in an altercation with the Batman, and he falls into the... The Vata Chemicals, and it's the classic Joker origin story. But the point is, the, the idea behind that story is that the Joker wants to believe that anybody else could also be broken down to nothing. And, and this is, of course, comic book Joker I'm talking about. I'm not saying you have to follow this, but I'm, I'm trying to sure. make a comparison. Um, this comic book Joker believes that anyone else, if they go through a bad enough day, could be like him. And that... Basically, he's trying with his with his crimes and with with all the the horrible things he does to people. At least within this particular comic, this is the context they're trying to spin. Uh, the idea is that he is trying to sort of justify his own horrifying behavior. Is that he's trying to say, "Oh, well, it's 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 really not my fault. It's really because of this background. I got pushed into this, and now I've snapped. And I'm going to prove that anyone would do this if if you know this is where the, if they got put through the same stuff I did." Um, I feel like that would be a more effective motivation to do something like that and take away 
more from, if not entirely from, the mental illness aspect of this. Because I think that the movie still has so much of the Joker elements that are like that. Like with him murdering these these three guys, specifically at least murder we've just we've we've agreed at least murdering one, um, not out of self defense. And then kind of at the end of the movie as well, where he's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm killed Robert De Niro and, and now I'm going crazy. And you, it's all your guys' fault. Um, there's so much of that that feels like that Joker, like that comic book Joker, where it's like, oh, he's trying to justify it himself. But the movie is sort of trying to justify it to you. Like the mm. movie's trying to be like, oh no, it's just this, this poor guy who's just got a mental illness. And like, you know, people just kept crapping on him until until he broke. And I... I think there's such a conflict between, like, the cultural... Uh, I mean, kind of like you were mentioning earlier, Britton, about how he's become this sort of romanticized mm. figure the Joker has. And there's this weird clash to me in terms of what they're pulling from the the material and then what the movie is actually saying and showing us and trying to, like, merge them to where it's like, oh, you, you can sympathize with the Joker, when in reality, he's supposed to be... A monster, like you yeah. know, the the he's ultimate chaotic evil, yeah. <laughs> and it's not just that he's chaotic; it's like, at least in the best Joker stories, usually he is portrayed as as someone who is a little bit more sane than you than you realize. Like he right. he knows enough to know, like I I'm doing this on purpose to break other people. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how where the movie lands exactly, or, or what the movie. I don't know if they thought about it this much in terms of trying to to walk that line between, oh, he's he's a horrible person mm. and, oh, he's actually justified all the stuff that happened to him was, right. you know, it just, these circumstances put him in this place where, where he felt like this is just how he had to go. And and I think the movie really wants to have its cake and eat it too in that regard. It, it wants you to be like, oh, we're sympathizing with the Joker, but it also wants him to be the the classic evil joker who's doing yeah. all these horrible things and it wants you to kind of merge those those feelings and those thoughts mm-hmm. and that i think is really what what stuck with me watching at this time is that there's a again with the entire message of the movie and i keep saying message i really feel like this movie wants to have a message yeah uh and i think that a lot of that gets lost in in terms of what the actual script comes out with because I agree. there's so much confusion in terms of like all right you you realize you're working with this property that has established like canon yeah mythos right around it and you're trying to pull this and, and and squeeze this into something else and you're trying to say that the mental illness makes it all okay i mean not okay but like the mental illness makes it like oh this is society's fault not the guy's fault mm-hmm. i th- i think there's just a lot of very confusing elements of this that they jam together and they don't really think about how exactly yes. they work um and it it leads to a lot of I mean, it just makes it to me so hard to get a read on like, how am I supposed to feel? Right. Or, I guess how am I supposed to form a read on this movie? Yeah, well, might be a good way to put it. And it comes back to what we were saying about the muddledness of it is that if if the movie's idea is society creates monsters out of vulnerable people, mm-hmm. okay, then we need to know for sure whether or not he tried to buy a gun from somebody. Sure. Because... And I think that that is... Like, like, well, like, yeah. It, it needs to be clear about, is he is his mental illness doing it, this thing? Are people taking advantage of that mental illness? Like, where does all this kind of land? And, and maybe on a higher yeah. level, it needs to be clear about what's in his brain and what's not. Right. In a way that, at least on a rewatch, you can be very, very clear. And I, I think yeah. that... 
for the most part, it's supposed to imply like, okay, anything with Zazie Beats, that's that's fake. Right. Um, obviously, the, the but again, I can come up with like three or four examples of different times where the movie uses that trick, and so it's like, am I supposed to be questioning this the rest of the time? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It also, yeah, I, I agree, and it's. I think it's a movie that a lot of people are respond people are responding to the thesis statement a lot, and I again think mm-hmm. it's a great thesis statement. You, you need to do more, especially when we're in a society where you can't. If you're going to take this kind of topic on, you need to be very careful how yes. you handle it, because there's still so much stigma against mental, mental illness with so much violence that happens that traces back to it especially when it's through the joker yes like there's literally one that happened recently Mm -hmm. where someone was dressed as the joker and so you need to have you you need to understand like you need to know for sure what you're saying and then really fine-tooth comb that script and go what are we implying with this let's cut let's move this around I think the script is kind of meandering, and I think it's kind of fuzzy. I, I do want to say real quick, because, and this is not a thing I really want to talk about, um, but I think there's been recent debate over whether or not the guy was actually trying to be the Joker. True, yeah. So if if we put that out there and the right person, the wrong person listens to it, someone will try to bring up that point that it's not... But it was out of Batman movie. Right, right, right. It, it is inevitably I, t- connected Yes, now there, there by, is by cultural tie to that. Yeah. Regardless of whatever was happening there. Yeah, yeah. like actually happening. Like, th- that is now a thing, a link that you have to think of yeah. when you are thinking. And it's that like, regardless, uh, the, 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 the comic books and all these iterations of the Joker, he is not a guy with superpowers. Mm-hmm. He is a human creature, a human being who is, quote-unquote, crazy – who damages people and kills them. And that's a thing that in a less hyperbolic way does exist in our world. And so if you want to tackle that subject, whether you're tackling it through hyperbolic allegory or, or, or not, you need to be very thoughtful and careful about it. Um, Which quick, quick plug for a underrated gym. You might know called the dark Knight. (laughs) Buddy, remember how the finale of the dark Knight is the Joker waiting for them to blow the ship up and then Batman says, hey, not everyone is as broken as you mm-hmm. and, like, takes a hard line on the, the the fact that this guy might be crazy but, like, that doesn't justify what he's doing. Yeah. And obviously that movie does not delve into, like, mental illness at all. But, no, because it plays it safe and goes, this is a comic book character. <laughs> yes, yes. And again, that, that works better yeah. because you, I, you just get into so many deep waters yes. trying to untangle that and trying to put that on film i i think that there's there's a lot that they they stumble over and trip over without really thinking about what they're doing i, I think i think that they went into this movie with the best of intentions and mm. and with with love in their hearts and i think they i think their reach out exceeded their grasp a little bit alex you got, you you've been quiet we, we should we should let you talk what do you have to say i don't know i've got i've got Kind of a different read. Sure, I'm sure. not going to say any anything you've said like I completely disagree with or anything, but I don't know. I, I Basically, after hearing Todd Phillips talk about it and just kind of seeing the trailers for the movie and then eventually seeing the movie, I've kind of divorced this from the comic book stuff, so I've sure. kind of got that sure. out of my head. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm almost thinking like, I think this is kind of the positive spin on, like, when Zack Snyder, when he talks about, like, making superheroes realistic and gritty. Sure. Uh, 
like that that infamous comment where he's like, "Well, in my movie, Batman could get raped in prison." Like that that really stupid thing that he said. Yeah. Um, I think this is kind of the positive spin on this, where it's like, okay, what would happen if the Joker were real? Well, he'd probably just be like a mentally sure. ill person, hmm. and like let's just explore that as a as a concept. I don't. I'm not sure how deep they were really thinking when they were trying to enter this kind of territory. Yeah. Which, I mean, goes to your point, Britain. Maybe they should have thought about it better or try and be more nuanced with it. Um, I don't know. I, I just – I don't know. I, on very simplistic terms, I think the movie worked well for me. Just sure. kind of following this guy and feeling sorry for him but also not condoning his actions at the same time. Yeah. I don't know. And I think that's maybe one of my larger – problems with it is that it does work on simplistic terms and that's great i think the movie thinks it works on more complex terms right, right. um i also uh i <laughs> this this movie and i and i know standalone movie not really a comic batman i i french i i know another reason why i kind of disconnected myself from it being right like sure a, a you know a batman movie so yeah no, and i and i i i agree with that i i did have the thought so we see bruce wayne in this movie and i know that arthur i don't know how old joaquin phoenix is in his 40s i think but that the joker looks so haggard because he's gone through a lot but he looks about yeah. at least 30 years older than batman which begs the question – it raises the same question that the TV show Gotham raised to me, which is, does this yeah. mean that Batman is beating up a bunch of old people? Right. <laughs> because Gotham – and I didn't yeah. watch all of it, but some of the characters, they aged. I was like, okay, yeah, I, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But this is like – so the Joker is like in his – at the youngest, this man is 35. Yep. Bruce looks about 10. So that means when Bruce is 30 – because Batman is not a young I mean, gun, but – to be fair, in in the the original eighty nine Batman movie, aren't That's there true. like a number of years between Keaton and Nicholson at that point? That's true. That's also true. Also, in general, although apparently Joker killed Batman's parents in that. So and, and this, yeah, and, and that was a moment where I was like, how much older? And does that mean how much older is everyone? Because I know some people <laughs> yeah. are, but like, has Gotham had that a few yeah, yeah. times where I was like, so Bruce Wayne is just beating yeah. up a bunch of old people. Right. I, I also had, the, uh, in a way, I liked how. The movie went the night that he became the Joker is the night that, that started Bruce on his path to becoming Batman. I'm like, okay, that's that's neat. On the other hand, now I'm also thinking about Batman stuff. Now you yes. introduced Batman things that is, into yeah, this. Pretty much my, I, I can't tell if it's shoehorned in or not. That is Same. pretty much exactly my read. It's like, oh, that's kind of an interesting – like this is an interesting place to start Batman. Also, yeah, I like, I like why are you starting Joker. Batman here? Yeah. I like him in the at the end at the the mental asylum where he he's thinking of, of something funny yes. and it cuts back to Bruce just standing alone in the alley with his parents dead underneath him right and he's just like oh it's just a joke you wouldn't get it mm. well and I and I like, like I yeah. like that and I like having Thomas Wayne as a figure in the movie and yes. I, because that's like a touchstone and you can do stuff with that I don't but then they actually go into oh and here's you know all his Joker army. And here now here's all the you now here's all the comic book stuff we haven't been doing for the movie. Yeah, felt a little. Right. Now that said, I I do like talking about how society creates monsters. The image of the henchman dragging him out of the car and putting him up. Mm -hmm. Literally, it's society saying you're going to be our guy. I right. liked that. That it was like he was he was literally put and to that he, point. And then he takes the blood to make the the, yeah, yeah. the red smile, smile on his, on mouth. his mouth. Yeah, yeah. That was all. That was all neat. But that they also went. Oh, and this is when Bruce became Batman. I'm like, like you said, 
Oh, that's a neat place to start Batman. Don't start Batman. Though. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. This is yeah. and like the whole I, the whole scene where he's meeting Bruce and and uh, uh, Alfred. I was like, this is kind of cool. Again, if this were like a TV show or something, I'm I'm very I, I'm just imagining them doing the next Batman movie, and we get to the post credit scene, and then they show this Joker, and I don't think Joaquin Phoenix would like come back. I feel like that's probably no, the biggest yeah. prohibit, prohibitive reason for this. But I'm just imagining that world in which they're like – they use this as like the Sinister Six, six Stinger. <laughs> they're like, oh, Joker's no, – It's Robert, Robert it's Pattinson goes to visit him in prison joke. and he says, when I get out, it's going to be Joker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we went to the same place on that one. Yeah. Yeah. How much more interesting would it have been if Bruce's parents get shot and then Bruce gets shot? Well, that was and just a saying like thought, completely different. That was an interesting thought to me. Is what if this is what if you play this as a world in which uh, Bruce's parents never get shot? And then I think when I first saw this in theaters, I was thinking one of the guys in the subway would be Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Like I really thought that's where we were going to go. So with he'd that. be inspired by the Joker. Well, like one of the guys in the subway would get shot by the Joker. <laughs> That's what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, you mean one of the – okay. Yeah, I, that I, he th- kills. I thought you meant when Joker's getting chased by the two uh, FBI guys. Right. Shay Wiggum oh, and Bill Camp. Sure. Um, who are in the movie. Correct. Uh, and then they're not. I was I was very much thinking that's where we were going to go with it was, was that he was going to shoot Bruce Wayne. That would have actually right. been kind of interesting. Which would have been an interesting way to take that. Or, or if he had shot two of them and one got away and was like, uh, Bruce Wayne escaped. Sure. The, and then, like, again, like these little touches of. I do think the scene with him uh, talking to young Bruce Wayne is very effective and terrifying and like, oh, this is like a weird, horrifying dynamic. That is quite good. And I like uh, the the young Alfred they cast in this. I don't know. I've never seen that actor before. Uh, Douglas Hodge. Yeah, he's a theater um, guy. But yeah. uh, I, do, I did like did him. I like that whole scene, that whole confrontation. Yeah. I thought that was good. Um, well, and, and I like, there's a thing where Thomas Wayne says something about losers hiding behind masks and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I was like, ah, because it's your kid. Yeah. <laughs> or you in the other version. I did True. appreciate um, that they they tried to do, because Britton, you were, you were messaging both of us while you were watching the movie, and you're like, did they just pull a specter? Yeah. I, I, I was very guilty of prejudging this movie, yeah, and then I went, oh, they didn't. <laughs> And I really appreciated how mild spoilers. I'll keep it vague for Blade Runner twenty forty nine, where we have a, a our, our one of our main characters who thinks they're like the one, yep. like that archetype, yep. and then it ends up being just a bunch of BS. Sure. Like I really like that they had that switcheroo because if they made it Bruce's half brother or yes. whatever, that would have just been that would have been just the worst. However. This, so I like how it feeds yes. into to his his ego and kind of his delusions of grandeur. I do agree. I like that. However, I think that that is all you really need for what we've been talking about and complaining about with the delusion yeah. stuff. Is that like you don't need this whole pl- subplot with Zazie Beetz, although always love to see yeah. Zazie Beetz. She's oh, a great, great. actress. Um, but th- having it be like, oh, he. You know, his mother was delusional about this, and therefore he thought he was his son, but he's not, and that's part of what, like, learning that his mother is actually crazy is, is part of what breaks him. Right. Um, I, th- I think you're right. Ultimately, I think the movie would have been better served had he not been hallucinating. Yes, you just make that redundant. I mean, I think you can keep, like, the, the scene where he's imagining 
Because the, when he's looking at the TV and he imagines himself in the audience, that's very much like, oh, he's he's thinking about. Oh, that's it. that's, that's a fantasy. Hallucinating. Yeah, that's that's a fantasy. just him ha- imagining exactly. something. Exactly. And so then it's late, like when you bring that back later, it's like, well, now he's. You're not establishing that he's daydreaming anywhere. You're you're just kind of flowing in between scenes, and and it also it gets worse. It's at its worst in the middle of the movie. <laughs> like if it was like by the end of the movie, just this complete um, sort of psycho like nightmare and you had no idea what was going on like a david lynchian yeah. nightmare um and that would be one thing but it, like it slowly gets just more and more surreal yes, as it goes yes but yeah. they, but they spend so much of the middle of the movie being like crazy and then at the end you you now have these two redundant plot lines where it's like okay we, we just need him realizing like if it, it would be really interesting if the movie started with him believing that he was thomas wayne's son and his mother keeps telling him this and then, like, he never connects the fact that, oh, that doesn't even make any sense. Um, and then, right. like, they continue on with that. And then that if that all comes back around, and then at the end of the movie, that's that's when he finally snaps. It's because he realizes that's not true. That's one thing. That's, you know, that's that's a fairly standard, like, oh, you, you believe one thing. I mean, it's kind of like what you're saying with, with Blade Runner 249, where it's like, oh, your, your, your arc is believing that you're one thing and realizing that you're not. Um, Star Wars. Maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Question mark? Uh, but yeah, the the idea is basically that we've got these two storylines, or, or subplots, I guess, in the movie that do the same thing in different ways that don't... Like, it feels like they were written by two different people. And then they were like, oh, well, I, I came up with these hallucinations. And it's like, well, I came up with this yeah. plot line about his mother that's that's very dark and real. And then you're, you're putting it in the same movie, and it's like, why is that yeah. not... Why is he not having hallucinations about Bruce Wayne or about yeah Thomas Wayne coming up and 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 hugging him and and saying oh I I love you son you know, I'm so glad to have you back like why is that not a hallucination in the movie right it's it's weird I think I think it's it doesn't know exactly what it's doing with those also talking yeah, yeah talking about the pretension right. thing this movie has a lot of shots of old movies and I made a post on Facebook when I watched this that you could tell Joker was going to be Oscar contender because it showed a movie theater marquee in the first three minutes. <laughs> Because Oscars love movies that talk about movies, yes. and that all felt a little like I I get it, Charlie yes. Chat. I get I, it. I well, I I like the bit of him like going to um the gala and seeing yeah. Charlie Chaplin footage, just in terms of him aspiring to be a comedian. I like that. sure, sure, sure. That that uh, s- some of that felt like Todd Phillips went, "Ooh, that's what good movies do." Yeah, and I feel like Del Toro does a yeah. lot of that in his movies, but Del Toro just comes from a place of like, "Have you guys heard of movies?" <laughs> crazy like it's just it's just him just loving something on yeah. a movie screen tarantino similarly yeah um and i think this felt a little more like uh yeah we'll put that in also yeah. um always good to see brian tyree henry yes he was in this as the arkham clerk oh boy what a good actor man i like him a lot i wish you got more mm-hmm. dude man in this. um i really Shout just have like a couple atlanta Hey, there Donald you go. Lover's Talking show. of Zazie Beats again, yeah. Yeah, I'm Zazie Beats. And shout out to um, the guy who played the NCB, not NBC, NCB anchor, <laughs> who they showed a couple times with the white hair. That is Tony nominee Jeff McCarthy, who is a Broadway performer <laughs> um, known to me as Officer Lockstock from the musical You're in Town. He also sang Tunnel of Love from the Sideshow musical, uh, sure. which literally goes like oh. this. Let me take you to the Tunnel <laughs> of Love. It's. They it, should have played that in the movie. They should have. Should have. That, should be, that should have played during the, like instead of the the uh, the yuppie singing. Uh, send in the clowns. Here come the clowns. Send the, yeah. Send the cl- send in the clowns. They should. Uh, <laughs> by should. the way, 
hit me over the head, why don't you? Oh, um, yeah. They should have started singing in the tunnel of love. The hardest thing for me to accept in this movie is that three Wall Street guys know all the words to send in the clowns. I was like, whoa, it's okay. whoa, whoa. They started going into the second verse, and I was like, no, 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 mm. movie. No, no, no. At first, I was like, everybody knows the isn't it rich? Aren't we a pair? But then Britain, it, it everybody knows. Like, Losing Britain, everybody knows when you get drunk, like you start, you know, like your your knowledge base just That's like true. increases tenfold. That's true. They start absorbing a little night music, and you all get, of it's yeah. great. smarter when you get drunker. Exactly. Yeah, because you, you know when you're sober, you only use ten percent of your brain. Correct. That's what Lucy exactly. is about. <laughs> Alcohol. Opens That's up what Limitless taught me. Anyways, I have just a couple more thoughts. <laughs> I love, um, and I thought I would hate this: the fact that uh, Arthur has the laughing problem. I thought that would be, like, super yeah. obvious and, and, like, really not well done. But I love how they use it to convey his emotional states. Because you can tell mm-hmm. when he's laughing genuinely yeah. and when he's in pain and wants it to stop. Yeah. I when he's just, like, super depressed. I love the way Joaquin Phoenix yeah. sells that. I agree. And also just yes. his laugh is just super creepy as a Joker sure. laugh. I agree so. from a performance standpoint. My concern with that was... Is the movie making up a mental illness? Sure. I don't know how I feel about that. Because if they are, it smacks a little bit of teenage fan fiction. Of like, well, yes. what if what if we made it like he would? Yeah, but I think I think it's 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 a, a not so great idea executed. Yes, I, I, I would agree. Actually, yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, conversely, to the rest of the movie, where I feel like there's a lot of good ideas <laughs> not executed super well, I think right. that's a good way to put it. Because I was like. And look, I, I am not an expert on all mental illnesses. I only know about mine, and I'm not even that big of an expert on mine. But like, if this is if if this came from something in real life that they a study they found a person they met, then hey, all right, I got you, go for it. Right. But it was kind of like how um, Rain Man. Not every person on the autism spectrum talks like Rain Man. Mm-hmm. It's kind of but, but Kim Peek, who that movie is based on, did talk that way, which is why I'm like. Cool. As long as we all know that that's not how all, all people on the autism spectrum talk, this is fine because it's based on a real person. Otherwise, it can be like, uh, hang on. <laughs> so, well, yeah. Well, I, I just there like is the a... elements that help to make it feel more real, like th- the fact that he has the little card that he Yeah, and that is, like, I think a, a, a thing that people uh, – fr- friend of the podcast, Alex uh, – other Alex. Mm-hmm. Prime. Pri- have we been, uh, I can't I can remember. I think we have, yeah. what, Yes. Um, she uh, is in a – tangential field to that and, and mentioned that that is actually she when she saw this she was actually excited because that is like a real thing they do like yeah they, some people, people carry cards if like they you know have difficulty communicating things like that like yeah, that's, yeah, a, yeah. that's a real yeah even down to i know some like uber drivers who have hearing problems will have signs on their mm-hmm. seats like hey i'm deaf so if you need something here's how to let me know huh. but I'm, I'm not gonna just hear you talk right. so or whatever so yeah i, I but yeah I, i've talked her, heard about that stuff too uh what, what's all, what's also on your list alex uh, the other note I had was just the scene where the stand-up comedian is just doing his show and Arthur is writing down, like, tips. Yeah, Gary Goldman, And he yeah. is laughing at all the wrong spots. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think that's actually a very good way of not beating us over the head and, and just, like, you're just showing us how he responds to this yes. and why he will never work as a yeah. stand-up yes. comedian. Yeah. And the movie does a good job of his material is bad. <laughs> like, objectively yes. speaking, it's bad. Also, Murray Franklin's material is not very good either, but that's okay. But Again, also, an authentic talk show host performance, yeah, I think. Yeah. Well, when he says the thing I about... Agree. I don't mean to I don't mean to put down all those jimmies. Uh, no, 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 no. 
I know what you mean. Just though. most of them. Just, just a few. Of them. But he has that thing of <laughs> the audience can decide. where he says like super rats. They have a new thing, super cats, and the audience goes nuts. And I'm like, that's not a good joke. And there was a hallucination. I went, oh, it's because Arthur's not funny. Okay, cool, yeah. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Were the super rats just supposed to be like a crocodiles in the sewer type thing? Like, I don't know. Just, I don't know. Because it's weird was. how many times they yeah. mention it and we never see anything. Yeah. Or it doesn't end up amounting to anything. Unless it's supposed to be some sort of comic book Yeah, that we thing. don't. Yeah. Which is like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's a thing that would have been interesting to bring up a few more times. Is to, if you're gonna have like the end of the movie is also Batman's origin story. Mm. Why not right. Why not have a few, a couple of your, your, your Mr. Reese in, uh, <laughs> in, in The Dark Knight. Um, yeah. Did I say the Dark Knight Rises or the Dark Knight? You said Dark Knight. Okay. Cool. Um, or have John C. Riley looking at a calendar all weird. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> he actually <laughs> might. He actually might be a pretty good calendar man. Now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> John C. Riley's pretty great. Just saying. When I get out, it's going to be calendars. <laughs> when I get out, it's going to be <laughs> Valentine's Day. <laughs> I was going to say he just holds like a bunch of like kitten calendars up. Okay, but if they ever make the Calendar Man dark origin story he has to say when i get out it's going to be the release date of the film it's <laughs> <laughs> the end of the trailer that would actually i would respect but he still did that. got uh woody harrelson's hair from the <laughs> post-credit scene yeah and he shaves it off and oh, no, no, he's no. like carving dates of, into his head my joke about jo- uh, joaquin phoenix being in, in the robert pattinson after credit scene he has the woody okay, harrelson okay, hair good. like this this no is this it, is consistent it, across all these jokes is it green or is it red and who cares maybe it's both okay I'm on board. Half and half. <laughs> um, I, I I don't have a whole lot more to say. I think Britain, you had mentioned the score. Score's wonderful. Yes. Oh, I think everybody kind of universally agrees I, about that. So. I think it's the. It seems like the front runner for the Oscar for best score, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm fine mm-hmm. with that. Written, we we were talking about this earlier. Um, what is the name? Her name is Hildur Gudnottir. She's an I believe Icelandic. Yes, I don't very, know. Very I, that it sounds right. Very uh, Nordic. Mm. I, I don't know. Is, is Icelandic? Part of the Nordic link? I don't know. Very Viking. Yes. <laughs> Viking yes, 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 yes. Uh, name. Um, she also just recently, I believe, won the Emmy um, for best score uh, for Chernobyl. Mm. She also did Chernobyl. Yeah, I got to watch um, that. Very, very similar. I mean, obviously, same sort of um, tonal. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Tonal level. Uh, so obviously quite good at that. And yeah. uh, definitely would be well-deserved, I think, if she won that. But I was happy how, how not just that, it was atmospheric, but it also, like, it, it was music. Yes. <laughs> like, it wasn't just... Yeah. A lot of, like, I don't know. I, I, I really like yes. that music a lot. This is, we were, and we'll, we can talk a little bit more about this here in our next segment, but uh, great, great year for film music. A lot mm-hmm. of good scores this year. Mm-hmm. So, Speaking of scores, shall we score oh. this one up, gang? Sure. Um, I'll go first. I think I'm just going to go B-, minus, which I'm assuming will be higher than both of y'all's. Um, I still found the movie very, very entertaining, despite the problems I had with it. Sure. Um, th- this will probably be one where my score would drop if I watched the movie a few more times. Mm. Um, I would imagine. Um, I don't know. I, a lot of it really works for me. I think huh. it's mostly just, when it comes down to it, it's a lot of that hallucination stuff. And yeah. just not being able to determine, like... Are you guys just being lazy with the storytelling here, yeah. or is there some method to the madness? I don't know. Um, but Joaquin Phoenix is absolutely wonderful, and I love the way the movie looks. Yeah. B-. minus. Cool. I'm going to go C-. minus. 
I'm going with I'm starting from a flat C because as I said I'm I still have to I need some distance before I can really see it mm-hmm. clearly and I'm doing before you can see that yeah. clearly and then I'm doing minus just for the feelings it gave me and also for the problems I have yeah. I could end up feeling this is a C plus or even higher later but I feel like I want to start in the flat middle and then notch it down a bit I, right. I think I fair. I'm gonna go C plus actually I am very close to going B minus um, for me, it's it's there's just a little too much about the the plot that I'm like I don't know. Sure. What, what are you telling me? Yeah, I don't know what, what you're you telling me, tell and me? I don't know why how this is. I don't know what you're doing to try and make this satisfying for me. I, I know yeah. I've spent a lot of time like kind of belly aching over a lot of problems that I I do have with it. Um, but I do think right. the actual filmmaking of it is quite good. Yeah. Um, and obviously McKean's performance is great. There there are several performances I like. Overall, it's it's not like a I've spent a lot of time complaining because I think everyone – I think our, our positives are easier to summarize is probably the best way. Yeah, I, I think it's a movie that does movie stuff pretty well, mm-hmm. but I, and I think it just kind of falters on its deeper deeper yes. levels, but it thinks it doesn't, Yes, <laughs> which is, I think, my bigger issue. Exactly. I would agree. Yeah. So with that said, well, guys, uh, another year has come and gone, and it's time for 2020. <laughs> Old Lang Syne, etc. Um, in February. In February. It's that Lunar New Year stuff. So we are now going to talk about 2019 in review. Yeah, we've never really done this before. I think all of us have probably gotten... I, well, Britain, you've always been very in tune with the, the current, contemporary movies. Sure, As, as to opposed be. to just Alex and I slaving Britain over these... knows what the kids are watching slave, these days. I sure over. do. Billie Eilish, her movie... Uh, Eilish in the Stream is coming out, <laughs> which would actually be a really good name for her. Hold on, I gotta make a Facebook post. <laughs> I you gotta tweet it at her. <laughs> I sh- I, let me get a Twitter. Call real your quick. next album. Um, I, I, no, I was gonna say call the No Time to Die theme. That. <laughs> do it now before they switch you out for someone else because they always do that. Her new album is Eilish in the Stream: colon, No Time to Die. <laughs> um, so yeah, we. Uh, but but Alex and I uh, have taken some some time away from the the burning, uh, just fiery coals of franchises uh, down in the sweat mines because they've all just like um, died in a miserable pit well, of despair, except for the MCU. I was going to say, hold, hold slow your roll there. Um, but uh, I, I think we've both uh, gotten to see a lot more movies um, this year. So we we all were kind of I think are all kind of hyped about a, a decent handful of movies this year. We'll we'll get into it, um, but basically we were like, eh, let's let's talk about 2019. Talk about some of the the movies we enjoyed the most. Um, obviously, timing this a little bit with the Oscars, I, I don't think we want to get it too far into the Oscars because that's a whole just it's a different whole discussion. Yeah, um, whole other thing. But uh, we do we did want to highlight kind of the movies we enjoyed the most. Yeah. Uh, maybe yeah. got a couple. Well, cu- one other category. Uh, yeah, one. So we'll, uh, yeah, but what we're gonna spend another the the usual part of the podcast that would be us rambling for fifty minutes. It's not gonna be <laughs> us rambling for an hour and <laughs> talking about probably an hour plus. Yeah, and talking about our uh, the movies we enjoyed from twenty nineteen. Yeah. And we or all have did our, not enjoy. We all have our own little top ten list. There's probably gonna be some overlap, so that'll probably help streamline things a little bit. And we're just kind of round, going to round robin. Um, who wants? Because we're going to start with the number ten and then work down to nine and et cetera. Well, do we want to start with with our favorites, or do we just want to get the negative stuff out of the way? It's first? Probably a good idea. Negatives out of the way first. Yeah. Okay. 
Let's do it. Um, One of you so, go first. So, we're, we're and, necessar- and to, to qualify this, we're talking about our biggest disappointment. Yes. Not yes. necessarily our worst of the year, but the movie we were most looking forward to and then let us down the most. Correct. Cool. That's what I yes. did. Um, who wants to go first? Not me. How about you, Alex? This was, you, okay. you pitched this, and we usually, you usually don't get to go first, despite being alphabetically primary. I like to subvert expectations here. Here come the sequels. What can I say? Um, I had a lot of potentials to go with this year, particularly <laughs> like obviously like I, I tend to see more of the big franchise yeah. movies, so that's kind of what I've focused on. Um, I mean there was there was one kind of awards contender I was disappointed with. But sure. Not, like I. I Spoilers, I was not a huge fan of The Irishman, but I like by no means would I say like, oh, like that that was a dreadful movie or anything right. like that. Right. And and you didn't go um, into that like so jazzed for it either. No, no, no. I had heard kind of mixed things about it from people I knew who had seen it. So like me. <laughs> right. Um there's a couple that I've kind of circled around. I think the one that I was genuinely like I was shocked by how bad i thought it was was it chapter two interesting huh interesting um that one i had high expectations for i really liked the first oh yeah quite first a bit great. and i was just i thought it was kind of an editing nightmare and mm. was like an hour hour 15 too long it meanders so much and wastes so much time and i didn't find it scary this is and i haven't seen it but this is the the, the things i've heard the most about this movie are bill Hader's awesome it's too yes. long mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'm like i believe both of those things Right. Um, and also, there's a whole bunch of flashbacks with the kids that are completely pointless. Mm. And because all of the kids are two years older, they digitally de-age them and really? modulate their voices to sound younger. And it is very distracting. Really? Which I will say, yes. um, I, I, I wasn't as angry about it. Um, and I think it's pretty much because I was like, I watched it and I was like, oh, they, they, they didn't know what to do because the book has a weird structure and they did something weird with it. Um, and now I, after I watched it, I was like, huh. I'm really curious to see when they come out with the the big eight hour cut uh, of, of both those movies combined because I think that'll be a lot more interesting. Um, I didn't, but I, yeah. I don't disagree with a lot of what you're saying. Fascinating. Um, yeah, that was the one I kind of had the biggest, like the highest hopes for, just mm. because of how much the the first movie surprised me. I didn't expect yeah. anything. From a lot it of us sure. being wonderful. Um, the, the other contender would have been Star Wars, mm. but I kind of half expected it to be a train wreck, and then I thought it yeah. was a train wreck. So yeah. that one doesn't um, uh, register for me because I pretty much had it pegged for how yeah. I ended up feeling about it, I'll say. <laughs> right. Like, it could have easily been my choice, but, like, I had in the back of my mind, like, this could be terrible. Sure. And it kind of was. Anyways. Uh, long-winded. Britain, go ahead. So my biggest uh, – and I actually also had a, had a couple of, of – contenders for this one the, i think though that the movie i was most looking forward to that let me down the most is going to be uh walt disney's noel okay um, this That's, is a, okay, a yeah. it was a disney plus launch movie and um i don't know that this movie necessarily I, it, the reason i was looking forward to it was because it was a christmas movie starring anna kendrick if you've listened to pretty much any episode of this podcast you know that i'm a big anna kendrick fan and uh, and she is not the problem. <laughs> and but you also got Bill Hader and uh, the wonderful Billy Eichner and Shirley MacLaine is in this. And I was really really excited for it, and it felt so slapped together. And it probably was, but it 
the, I think the guy who who wrote and directed it, I think he had made like a few Hugh Grant comedies. Uh, I think he made music and lyrics, which I remember liking, and the rewrite, which I enjoy. But he, um, I don't know, this whole movie, it just it was it looked really cheap, and the jokes didn't land. It was a lot of the like Christmas puns that, but they were really uncreative. You know, uh, I don't right. know. We touched on this very much when we did our Santa Claus episodes, but those movies, at least, they they managed to approach a lot of Christmas uh, mythology tropes in ways that were, at best, quite clever, and at worst, I see what you were going for. You know, it wasn't great, but like it never it never felt as lazy as as Noel did. And you know, how are you gonna do a whole Christmas movie with Anna Kendrick and she never sings? She does a little vocalizing at the beginning. How are you going to do that to me, movie? Um, she was still very charming. But that said, there is a scene where she does sign language with a little deaf girl. So, of course, I cried. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. But uh, it just – the whole thing felt so half-hearted and ju- – not even half. It just it, it just really let me down. My other one uh, would be on a larger scale maybe The Missing Link from Leica, which is a studio that I love. They made previous mm-hmm. Britain and Alex discussion mm-hmm. Paranorman. Also Coraline and Kubu and the Two Strings and the Box Trolls. And Missing Link is not is by no means a bad movie. I, I, I view it as um, the good dinosaur of Laika sure. in that, you know, when Pixar had made Ratatouille and Up and Finding Nemo and all these great movies and then it made like Cars 2, which is like really not that bad. But for Pixar, kind of a step down. It's about how I felt about Missing Link. My final one would be the third act of Detective Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is okay. a movie that I supr- I liked way more than I ever sure. legally should have. I thought this movie proved to us that you can make a live action Pokemon movie if you don't way overcomplicate the plot with stuff that doesn't really make sure. sense or work at the in the end. And I would love to get a new one um, and just a stripped down basic Pokemon story. I I think it was it's really fun until they answer the mystery and then I was just like kind of shaking my head like what this is the what? Sure. Um, but you also got to see Ken Watanabe put his hand on a snubble's head. Who doesn't want that? Yeah. Come on. And the lead in that movie, Justice Smith, was very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really it's Noel with those little caveats. Tyler? I really – last year a lot of the movies that I did not like I had pegged for not liking – like like I yeah. was not super far off in what I got hyped about and not hyped about. Mm-hmm. So I think weirdly enough – and this is not – a franchise that I'm like particularly obsessed with, and it's also uh, a franchise or a, a specific movie we'll be talking about soon. Um, the movie that I think most uh, kind of let me down was Terminator Dark Fate. Interesting, <laughs> um, because I really, based on um, Alex and I have had discussions before about the fact that I like really obsess over my uh, ability to figure out how a movie is going to be from the trailers. Hmm. (laughs) Um, And I think for the most part, you do a very good job. This particular one, I was really like, man, I I think that's going to be pretty good. And I did not hate it. We'll talk about it in a while. I don't know. We'll we'll get around to it. Um, I don't, it's probably on Blu-ray at this point. I don't know. I think Uh, it's, I think it's available at least to rent streaming. I would assume so. Yeah, it's getting there. We'll tackle that not too much longer from now. Um, And I didn't hate it, but there was, I had more expectations for it than what it came out to be. So sure. we'll, we'll talk about that. Okay. Um, that I, was I, I pretty do, good year, I think. I do anticipate 
listeners of the podcast know how often I bring up Bumblebee wrapping a chain around another robot. Correct. I do think Mackenzie Davis hitting a guy with a sledgehammer is going to be the new version of that whenever I watch that movie. Sure, sure. Because that happens in the trailer, and I talk about that a there, lot. And, and I think that there is still some good action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About, That's so. a Tim Miller, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So. Yes. Cool, cool, cool. And James Cameron watching from the shadows. <laughs> uh, Saying, do it. Doing. Being like, oh no, you're just you're doing it all wrong. How dare you? just just why can't you just make another billion dollar? Movie? I don't understand. Why can't you just do what I did in 1992? <laughs> oh wait, you did. <laughs> oh, so top ten movies, top ten of movies, 2019. Yeah, for um, each of us. So we're gonna start with our number ten. Who wants to go first? I can start. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Um, Number I just 10, want to throw out Alex this caveat edition. of movies that I haven't seen that would probably end up somewhere on here. Good point, yes. Um, Jojo Rabbit, Parasite, and Little Women. I have not seen any of them. Okay. I really want to. Um, I will get around to them when I get around to it. I them. think the other huge one that's missing from – I know is missing from all of ours is 1917. Yeah, that's um, a, uh, I'm sure. That, that one yeah. I don't know if it would end up on the I don't know if it lists, would end up on – but it's getting like – Buzz for yeah. like us, and that that's a know. movie that I could see myself really liking in some fashion. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree, and that I don't know if it's gonna hit the right levels to right. make any of our top tens, but something. Yeah, that we should, we should I imagine make. Roger Deakins shot it, so I'm gonna like that part at least. Right, right, right. Um, and also, this isn't based on how I would grade these movies. Sure. Um, there are some that might get like in the A range, but they won't be in my top five. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is gut this reaction. Is these are our favorite movies. Very, very subjective. Yeah, this the, is like these are not the movies. I don't these like. are not our ten assessed best movies. These are our yes. ten favorites, the ones right. we really just reacted to. Right. So. Uh, my number ten is going to be Avengers Endgame. Hey, there you go. That was funny, a close cons- call for me. Yeah, considering how much criticism I threw at that movie <laughs> during our podcast, um, I think there's a lot of problems with that movie. It's still great. Like, like it's super ambitious, um, and it's really cathartic. Uh, I don't know. Like everything that's been said about Avengers Endgame has already been said. So. It's an hour of adrenaline at the end. Uh, there, there are a bunch of movies that I didn't put on my top ten list for this show because I figured they'd show up on either of you, either mm. of y'all's, and I was like, "Ooh, I can fit another movie on here and then just chime in with yes. them." And Endgame was one of them. Yeah. You know, I think I talked about this in the podcast, like how jaded I, I, I had gotten with the MCU social element, but then. I couldn't pretend I didn't have a great time watching that. True. Yeah. Right. There's some really good stuff in there. I could do it all day. So what did make your uh, top ten? My no- so my, no- my number ten <laughs> is going to be a movie that uh, – I- I'm, I'm mostly putting this on here as a um, – I don't know if it's one of my ten – like truly ten favorites because, again, I'm, I'm, I left some off because I knew y'all would cover them. This is a movie called Rust Creek. This uh, showed up, I believe, um, if it hit theaters, it was very limited, directed by Jen McGowan, starring Hermione Corfield, who you know from small roles in big movies. Like uh, Harry Potter, right? Ma- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, she used a time turner to go back and be in all of them. She uh, walks out of a pool in the third Triple X movie, and she is one of the pilots that dies at the beginning of Last Jedi. Good. Yeah, so... All right. Star on the rise. Uh, but no, she she's uh, quite good in this. It's basically this really stripped-down thriller of a young woman who gets uh, – takes uh, the wrong road in Kentucky and ends up being chased by some, some bad folks, makes some friends with uh, a good folk, and then it's just – it's like a little short hour and a half hmm. 
movie, but uh, it's just like a solid like yeah. It, it's one of those movies that I went. I don't think this does anything really wrong. It's just like solid, and uh, it's a cool movie. And it's uh, I've I've not spent a lot of time in Kentucky, but Kentucky, but the cinematography is really good, and it it did a really good job of making me go. Oh yeah, that that's real. That's that's what I've spent a lot of time in the American South, and I was like, yeah, that's what that looks like. Which is such a silly thing to say. Like, if you put a camera on anything, it's like that's what that looks like. But it's the way people talk about. Oh, they really captured New York in this movie. I felt like it did a really good job of capturing the landscape of of that area. Um, so yeah, it's just like this is a cool little movie that I think people should should give a shot. Rust Creek, Tyler. So. My uh, my number 10 was one that was not in my top 10 until like two days ago, even though I saw it uh, quite a while ago, actually. Um, and uh, basically kind of watched it and was like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know about all that. And um, <laughs> ultimately ended up coming back around to it. Uh, literally like within the last few days, I was in there like, all right, I think I pretty much got my top 10 together. Yeah, so if you what about that movie? And like, <laughs> yeah. it just started to stick with me a little bit. And I, I looked up a little bit more because I was like, you know, I, I really want to know a little bit more about the thought process behind this. And um, looked at some of like the director's comments and things. And I was like, I think I'm starting to get it a little bit. And I really like the, the approach. So my number 10 is the lighthouse. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is such a weird movie. Yeah. But man, like Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson's Ugh. performance, that I, the the thing that really like recently, as I was like, what is what did I think about that movie? What, sure. what if I go back and think about that movie some more? Um, I probably need to watch it again to really like I definitely have do, a good yeah. opinion yeah, on Tyler, it. Tyler, Tyler, can you tell me what like what it well, means? Well, <laughs> well, so I actually one of the comments from the director, I mean the interpretation, um, or I don't know if it was from the director. So basically, the director is very Robert Eggers. Yeah, I got that right. Is very. Um, mythology focused and, and like i mean he did the witch which i have started five minutes of and i was like not in the mood for this yeah really <laughs> um and uh basically i don't know i don't remember if this was something he said or an interpretation that i think is probably right um but the idea was combining the myth of proteus the first old man of the sea with prometheus and like that sort of what? and i was like huh Huh, that's oh that's really interesting, gosh. and like, think, and I don't know that there's anything that necessarily like clicked with that, but just like thinking about that more and thinking about how haunting that movie is, and how many just like images from that. I mean, it, it, if you don't know anything about this movie, it was kind of on the smaller side. I mean, definitely on the smaller side, yeah, but like yeah. small enough that you might not have seen any trailers for it or anything. Um, it's shot all in a I don't know what the the frame would yeah, be called, but know. like a square frame basically. Yes, tiny and claustrophobic. It's all black and white. It's not um, like an old silent movie. The yeah. lighting in the movie is incredible. Oh, man. Uh, the way they use that with black and white. And Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson are weird and funny and, and insane. And just like the, recently thinking about that again, I'm like, man, I think I might like that. And I and I think I need to watch it again to be sure. I um, definitely do. So so you're saying that you did like The Lobster? I did. Yeah. Not the movie The Lobster, I'm but you did I like this lobster. Of, of The Lobster. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm glad we could, <laughs> glad we could <laughs> streamline that. That's a good pick. Now, Tyler, you mentioned uh, to us that you had a secret movie. That will be the next movie. The okay, interesting, because yes. I'm very excited to hear the, this. This was a recent development. Um, so number okay. nine, Alex. Arctic dogs, Arctic dogs, Arctic <laughs> dogs, or Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my number nine is Rambo Last Blood. It's not Rambo Last Blood. <laughs> I don't it's think Marriage Story. Hey, all right, sure. Completely different from Rambo Last Blood. <laughs> or is it? <laughs> um... This movie's basically just like 
hey, here's some really good performances. It's a play, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Adam Driver continues to be one of the best actors that I, I've seen in recent memory, and he pretty much carries the Star Wars franchise right now. But anyways, <laughs> um, Scarlett Johansson is wonderful in it, and then you, you know you got smaller roles like Laura Dern is – She's quite continues good, yeah. to be great. Can I we have talk about Laura Dern for a second? Oh. I haven't seen her in enough things. Well, she so she popped up. I I think this is the first thing that I noticed that she popped up, and um, even though I watched this like after it came out, but um, she was uh, important t- character to the Twin Peaks mythos. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it that way. In uh, Twin Peaks: The Return, back in like 2017, mm. um, and then she showed up. She's in Marriage Story. She she has a I think a supporting actress nomination for, she does. for Marriage Story. She's the favorite um, to win. She's uh, in Star Wars: Last Jedi. Um, there's at least one other Little, little Women. Little Women. That's the yeah, yeah yeah. And so like she's just started popping up in all these things that are like oh yeah oh hey not to mention uh, and she's good not to mention Jurassic Park and Big Little Lies right obviously going back farther. yeah she's dynamite yeah. performer. Yeah. Dino might. Dino might. And also the great Alan Alda is very sweet in this yes. movie. Mm-hmm. I remember being concerned about it once I, once I learned what the story was. I'm like, oh, it's like an actress and, and like a, a theater director. Right. And mm-hmm. I was kind of worried how unlikable they'd end up being. And I'm like, all right, guys, get get out of your little bubbles and, and like take care of your son. Um, but I, I think the movie did a very good job kind of exploring both of their their stories and just kind of like oh like the divorce process is kind of terrible it's a beautifully structured script the way it flows Mm -hmm. between focusing on her then focusing on him i thought it was very impressive and i i I think it's fair to both sides i think think it's fairly objective in how it it, it kind of explores the relationship and and i know it's semi-autobiographical and i i think that therefore driver tends to come off worse because i think that's no bomb back like Right, really, like being like, no, I, I want to point out my own stuff mm-hmm. and not just demonize my ex-wife. Um, and not that Driver didn't come off like a monster, but I feel like the movie criticizes him sure. in some pretty important ways. But yeah, it is a very fair movie that, like, by the end of it, I'm like, I, I, I want you both to be happy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it, it's. I, I think that was the biggest takeaway from you was that, like, by the end of it, it's it's not like a disappointing like oh mm-hmm. god or not di- not disappointing that's not the word for it it's not like a distressing like oh god no. that was all just so horrible and no. it was so, it, it's kind of like oh yeah li- life kind of goes on and maybe things are okay like uh, that it, yeah. yeah it's a movie one. that i have a my, i'm not sure how much my affection i have for it but i have a lot of respect for it i i think it's a, a dynamite choice and great score by randy newman yes yep we should uh keep a tally of how many times we say great score as we're <laughs> Honestly, going through this because uh, that's the second of the podcast so far. That's yeah. I'm going to be saying that a lot. Well, we're about to say it again uh, with my number Bussy. nine. Excuse me. With my number nine choice, Knives Out. There you go. Uh, this is a a fun uh, return to the Agatha Christie Poirot uh, clue. Mm-hmm. Talking of previous Britain and Alex discussions, movies. Uh, it's just a great ensemble caper that, from Ryan Johnson. With some great music, everybody in the movie's really good. Particular standouts: the great Daniel Craig, Ana de Armas, Tony Collette, Don Johnson. I think are probably my four favorites in that movie. Chris Evans' sweater is also in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's a movie that, even when I f- when, when and, and Christopher Plummer, come on, he's great. And and even when the the mystery is answered and and the the uh, perpetrator found out, I was like, 
sure, I buy that. But I went, what a fun ride. And you know what? I'd go on that ride again, which that's a, the, the sort, that's the proof yeah. of a great mystery is when you would watch it again, yes. even knowing the answer. Because I just like watching this. It has a lot to say about um, current events without being super heavy. Well, it, it being very clear, but not like it doesn't seem to have like a weird mix of, but what are you trying? What is this movie about? Yeah. This movie's about people. It's about stuff with some great final shots. Um, it's just, it was nice to see Ryan Johnson take a Star Wars money and go make something really cool with uh-huh. a bunch of great actors. And it's, it's genuinely fun. Um, I heard somebody, overheard somebody at work saying that thought it was uh, stupid and not scary. And I was like, <laughs> it's not supposed to be scary. Are you sure they weren't reviewing It Chapter 2? And I was like, it's a... And I just, but you know what? I just, I held my tongue and uh, I did, but man, that, that steam. But thing. you got your knives out. <laughs> <My> <laughs> out. <laughs> and also a great production design. The yes. house looks, yes. Jamie Lee Curtis, I mean, it's a really fun yeah. movie. My number nine, nine's yeah. out. Tyler, what's this go. number nine secret movie uh, you got? Yeah, so this is a movie that I watched like a month ago at like 11 p.m. <laughs> and like just was up in bed. And and totally consumed by it for like three hours because I just like continued to be like what, what? Uh, that that's the best way to, I can describe how I was afterwards. Um, it is uh, under the Silver Lake. Oh wow! <laughs> Which uh, wait, hold on. That came out this year. It came out in 2018, I think. But like in terms of if we're counting it for this year, I gotta completely readjust. Well, there this you go. Um, it was in it was in the festival circuit. I want to say in twenty eighteen. Can I do top eleven now? I mean, gotcha. if you want, festival if you want to throw circuit. that okay. in there, I, I mean, think, you could just I, okay. you could also just talk about it now and continue. On I think that rumbles. counts though when you've got, or you can yeah. say where you'd slot it because in. if it debuted at a festival in twenty eighteen, well, but then specifically wide release was this year. Yeah, then I think that counts. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, well, I'm doing top eleven. There you go. Fine. You can let us know where you where you, sl- you would slot that in there. I'm not I'm not spoiling that right now. Okay. It goes too high. No, that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, this movie, like the best way I can describe it, is that it's a movie about um, a man trying to decipher all these very strange symbols, while the movie is also presenting you, the audience, with a bunch of strange symbols. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very meta thing that just goes completely off the rails by the end of it um, in, a, in a very crazy... I don't know if fun's the right word, but, like, just engrossing way. Okay. Um, this is Andrew Garfield, isn't this? Yes. Okay. Uh, who is, is quite good. He plays the ultimate just, like, sort of sleazy, uh, you know, completely irresponsible, like... I don't know, not not druggy, but like he just spend, he spends a lot of time just like moping around and not really doing much, like a, kind like of, a real beach bum. Yes, that's <laughs> a good way to put it. But not with a beach though. Okay, <laughs> a real lake bum. Um, and it's it's just an insane movie. Um, wow, okay. That I think has a, as someone who really enjoys like movies that really take the use of symbols and and do something with that. Um, this movie just like goes into overdrive with that. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's Lynchian, but it's a lot crazier than i mean not crazier in the sense that like obviously david lynch can just completely ruin your existence for a night uh depending on the right give him does. 17 minutes and a monkey and you're, <laughs> yes. you're, you're, you're done for like, the day what? just ah. uh. um but i think it's it's a disservice to call it lynchian because it is something different and sure. something sort of 
very weird in a different weird way. Yeah. Um, and it's creepy at times. And I, 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 it was just like a movie that I was like, I, I think I'm going to watch this. I don't know why. I think it was on <laughs> Amazon Prime okay. uh, or something and just put it on and this, was this, not expecting that experience. This is a cool moment to have – there's like a, a – a, Th- this sort of movie that y'all two have seen and I have not. <laughs> That's <laughs> kind of a Especially cool. Especially like a small movie. Yeah, that, like that if, small it, if it had word, been yeah. like, oh, you haven't seen, Dark- uh, you haven't seen Terminator. Dark I haven't Fate. seen Dark Fate. Yeah, yeah. So, no, no, like no. if we were talking about that, that would be one thing. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, that's oh, true. that's that's a good. That's cool. I like yeah. that. I like that. What is your number nine potentially moved around or eight? Well, I was gonna say, should I just go ahead and list I off two say... movies that way we're back in sync? Because yeah. both of them we've already talked about. Okay. okay. Um, my number, what am I on? Am I on nine and eight? We're, we're, I guess, yes. We're going to... No, okay. no, 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 now you're on eight and then seven, right? We're doing eight. Yes. You just did your... Not, I've done two movies, you've done two movies, you've done two movies. Yes. So. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> the Lighthouse and then Joker. Really? Okay. I did not realize The Lighthouse was like I wouldn't think that either. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's more just like, I remember watching it and being like, I don't know if I even like this movie, I'm just kind of mesmerized by what's yeah. happening. The experience, and yeah. Like I said, when when we we walked out of it, I was like, I can't wait for smarter people to tell me <laughs> what that was about. Yeah. Um, so basically, what you just told me earlier, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm a, yeah, sure. That's, that's, that's so. Really cool. Do you say Lighthouse Eight, Joker Seven? Yes. Okay. Um, Joker actually pushed down over the course of our conversation. Then, like I said, if I watch it more, it might even go sure. down lower. I just found Joker really entertaining. Yeah. yeah. Um, Lighthouse. If I watch that again, it could go up. Who knows? So, Alex, and Alex you, you did all this because now Under the Silver Lake is on your list, right? Yes, it is somewhere on the list. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so my number eight is um, – it's technically two movies, but one is a short film. So I, it's, it's fine. Um, my, but, so the short film real quick is a movie called Hair Love. This is a actually nominated for the Oscar for Animated Short. I've seen two of those nominees, the other being Kit Bull, which is also quite good. Uh, hair Love is basically this really sweet story about a dad who does his daughter's hair for the first time. Um, it is a black family, and so the word the, the phrase Hair Love means even more. And I got to tell you, this is a less than 10-minute movie. There are twists in this thing <laughs> that just totally – like, oh, man, I was – Buffeted and uh, in in the loveliest of tears at the end. I believe it is also based on a picture book that has come through my department at work, and uh, I recommend both. It, it's on Hair Love is on YouTube. Takes you less than ten minutes to pull that up and and have a nice little nice little journey. It's just a good time, and I'm pulling for it at the Oscars. So my my real number eight is going to be the Peanut Butter Falcon. Sure. Uh, this is a previous recommendation, so I won't talk too long on it. Um, but I'm really happy to see it getting recognized. I think it actually won at the Directors Guild Award for like first feature debut <laughs> directing. Uh, stars Zach Gottsagan, Dakota Johnson, Shia LaBeouf, uh, John Bernthal's face, if not his yeah. words. <laughs> um, his body too. His body's in the movie. His muscles. Um, it's just a really good fable uh, with a beautiful Shia LaBeouf performance, a very funny Dakota Johnson performance, and uh, it's it's a movie that that does right by its disabled protagonist mm-hmm. in the great Zach Gottsagan, who has Down syndrome, and also gives a good a performance that is good not just quote unquote for a person with Down syndrome, but as an actor, it's a yep. good piece of work. It's yep. well written, um, runs into a few structural problems, but hey, what doesn't? It's uh, just you know everything I said on whenever we were, I recommended it. Previously on the podcast, 
Um, I'm, I'm hoping that this is a movie that uh, makes a mark. Like, I hope this isn't the last time we have a movie like this. Yeah. I don't think it will be. I believe in us. Speechless got three seasons. I think we can do it. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan. The Peanut Butter Falcon. Yeah. I, uh, I did watch that yeah. um, not too long after, I think after you recommended it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I agree with everything you said. It didn't make my list just because I, I think it's, I, I like a little bit more um, complexity and maybe sure. maybe weirdness uh, I, I, to, I, yeah. to plot. But like the actual, I mean, the movie is basically, it's three performances. It's yeah. basically what it comes down to. And they're all, they're all pure just awesome yeah um yeah it, it's a simple movie and i and i i think that actually helps it do it, yeah. what it does so well that it's like about representation not in the movie about it, but the movie it, it, yes. it enables it enables you to focus on the representation so much yes and to show that like you can rely so heavily on a person who a lot of studios wouldn't take a chance on and guess what the movie can be great right no i agree so um my number eight. Eight. You're the third movie on your list. <laughs> uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Third movie down. Let me pull it back up. Yeah. Uh, my number eight is The Two Popes, actually. Hey. Um, little Netflix movie, Jonathan Price, Anthony Hopkins. <gasps> two incredible performances. Yeah. Um, it was a movie I didn't catch until just recently as I was trying to kind of clean up and be like, all right, I want, I want to watch a bunch of 2019 movies yeah. before this podcast and the Oscars and what have you. Um, it is very different from what I expected. Yes. Um, it's, it's very getting into the sort of, it's not a movie that like expects you to just revere the idea of the Pope. Mm -hmm. It, it very much gets into sort of the, 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 I mean like part one, one of the plot elements is the fact that there were all the, the scandals with Catholic priests. Right. Um, during kind of the time period that the movie's covering. And so like, it, it does very much delve into that without being like, it doesn't say it's a complete sham, but it also does not expect you to just take this at face value and be like, oh, it's the Pope. You got you're, you're yeah. you love this this premise, don't you? Yeah. Um, it's like no, the, these these are humans who are trying to figure out how to like represent this uh, their their religion. Oh, this the best. gargantuan thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's, it's it's such a huge symbol, and they're trying to grapple with how they're going to deal with that. And both both performances are oh, incredible. Man. Um, yeah, Jonathan Price is one of these guys who he just keeps turning it out. Yeah, uh, the, the best way I can sell you on it, uh, aside from what I just said, is uh, that Jonathan Price uh, basically plays the High Sparrow from Game of Thrones. If uh, you, if, if there was like no sinisterness to it, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. if it was just, oh, he's he's actually just that good. Um, and, and it's, it's a, it's a joy to watch. It's delightful. And the movie also has a lot, it, it gets, it, there's a lot of stuff shown from like the perspective of the news mm-hmm. and, and it, it actually grapples with like the modern world and what is the place of, of this position in the modern world. It's very, very interesting. Um, ends on a, on a very delightful fun note. Um, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That, that I don't want to give away. I, I would definitely recommend it. It's on Netflix. You can yeah. all watch it. You have no excuses. Clean two hours goes by pretty quick. Yes. And there's some some of the, there's some flashbacks that are in black and white with some really lovely photography mm-hmm. um, that's just pretty. Yeah, I, I also watched it. Couldn't couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, and that uh, Anthony Hopkins. I always enjoy him, but I just that Jonathan yes. Price. Oh man, oh man, oh yes. man. Was your se- seven? What now now you're on seven. Okay. okay. Now I'm on seven. Now we're all we're all caught up. Okay. Right, now I'm seven. Uh, Wait, but I thought you just gave your. I thought. Joker was your seventh. 
No. Joker is your eighth. Yes. Yes. The fourth movie working back from your list is. <laughs> now let's just say we're on seven and just. Okay, continue. No, we're on seven. Um, Toy Story 4. Oh, God, I gotta okay. watch that still. Same. Um, I was not expecting anything from it, and Toy Story is the best franchise. <laughs> like, just, just calling it there. Um, sure. Even while I was watching it, I remember there being some problems. I felt like the second act kind of dragged a bit. But the ending had me in tears, which I was not expecting. Sure. Um, I don't know. I, I thought it was just... The way they handle Woody's arc and just kind of realizing how much this this toy has grown throughout four films is... I don't know. I, I yeah. thought it was very lovely. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I might try to watch it before uh, before the Oscars because I uh, I'm a big big Toy Story fan, of course, and and uh, through my own doubts and my own like, how do you follow up Toy Story three? Hadn't watched it, right? But then um, having heard a lot of people genuinely love it, and and having heard that from you, Alex, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is one I gotta I gotta get there. Is it on Disney Plus yet? Do we know? I think it's actually about to be cool. at the time that we're recording. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, fingers or it crossed. already is or something. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, the character of Forky is absolutely delightful. Oh, Tony Hale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also realized that that's one of the caveats, a big missing gap from my list. Also missing from my list are going to be the third How to Train Your Dragon movie and Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Same. Both of which are probably going to be on there after I see them at some yeah. point in my life. That was because... one I kept wanting to get around to and just never. Yeah. I just – I love – Mr. Rogers, and I love the How to Train Your Dragon movie. So, sure. But because I don't have them, I'm going to go on to my number seven movie, which is Midsommar. Ooh. This is a, <clears throat> a movie that is by Ari Aster. It is his follow-up to Hereditary. It is the tale of a woman in a, a just a, a you know college relationship that is being handled the way college relationships sometimes get handled, which is to say not super great. And they go on this big expedition, uh, not expedition, this big vacation to this uh, sort of Nordic village. And, oh, brother, things do not go the way they planned. Um, And it's long, it's (laughs) gorgeous, it's gross, it's haunting Florence Pugh is our, our lead character. Um, now Academy Award nominee for Little Women, who's having a great year, and she was awesome in this movie. Uh, you've also got um, William Jackson Harper, who plays Cheaty on uh, The Good Place, is in this. Sure. And um, Will Poulter from the Maze Runner movies. <laughs> I think his name's Will Poulter. He's very good in it, too. But uh, this is a movie that – it's a horror movie set almost entirely in daylight. Mm-hmm. And they do – they just – the production design looks amazing. And and there's so many beautiful shots where the camera's just watching you know, two people talk and then it'll kind of pan over to the left a little bit and then watch this other person do their thing. And there's so much happening in the background. Mm-hmm. And it's this strangely peaceful just torture. <laughs> like it's – not torture, but like it's so stressful and so tense. Uh, I'm a big, big, big fan of his previous movie, Hereditary, which was like easily in my top five of, of last year and I think should have been nominated for a bunch of Oscars. Um, but Midsommar, I just can't recommend enough. It might be streaming on Amazon now, hmm. uh, but you know, it, it's a I movie. I it is. Yeah. I think I've got it on my watch list. It's a movie that is not often 
bloody, but when it is, it's it's there. It's pretty gruesome. Uh, so it, you might want uh, some people might want to um, do a little do a little Wikipedia or maybe a little IMDb content advisory just to get an idea of what they're in store. Sure. For it, I wouldn't say that it goes as bad as Bone Tomahawk in terms of viscera. Um, I was gonna say <laughs> it's not quite that far, but because the movie kind of lull, it, it, but it's also more frequent than in Bone right. Tomahawk. And uh, if you've watched the episode of the TV show Vikings called Blood Eagle, you have some idea of what to look what to look forward to. Okay. It's just uh, it's just a man. It's a cool movie, guys. Midsummer. All right. Um. My number seven, not not too far off the wavelength, is uh, Us. Oh, sure. Um, oh. I had not watched Get Out, actually, until a few months before I watched Us mm-hmm. uh, last year. And I thought Get Out, I was like, okay, it was, it was, I think it's a solid movie. It, it, I felt like it was, I wanted more, <laughs> and then I watched Us, and <laughs> Jordan Peele gave me more. Oh, wow. Um, it's just, it's I, pretty much everything from this point on. Like, I feel pretty solid about those bottom three. I think I watched the two both, and I was like, that's a good eight movie. That's going right there. Yeah. Um, pretty much everything from this point on, I could almost rearrange in any order. I would agree. Uh, it, there are some reasons that honestly are too minute for me to really sure. care about getting into right now as to why it's number seven. But it's such a good movie. Um, yeah, it really the, is. Both, I mean, just like the entire filmmaking as- aspect of it, the entire cast is brilliant. Um there are several shots that just like stick with me. Like I, it, when I think of the movie, I think of some particular shots that it mm-hmm. has, um, the actual plot and what actually happens in it is bonkers and insane and just super, super creative. Um, and, and also it's very like political and topical without actually tying itself to anything. It's almost the anti Joker where it's like, you could see this movie as saying, anything or as saying something about like almost anything that is currently a modern topic of discussion and you'd probably that would be a valid read of it mm-hmm. <laughs> like the, it, it's a very strong setup that that lends itself to thinking of a lot of things in, in, a, in a particular way or in a new way um and it's really hard to talk about because i really don't want to give it away if no yeah. one, if it, this was one that kind of like flew under people's radar it is a horror movie there's a lot of good thriller aspects to it but the overall just like structure of the movie and what happens in it. There's also it's also got a, a great soundtrack. Yes. Um, specifically, it, it uses a song towards the end that still just like haunts me every time I listen to it. Uh, if you if if all this sounds super vague, just go watch it. I don't think it's. I mean, it is a horror movie. I really don't feel like it's it's as it's almost more of a thriller. Um, it's not super bloody. It's not super bloody. It, I don't think it's that terrifying. I might. I mean, it might just be a different read for me than. Someone else, but I think if you're worried about it being a horror movie, don't be that worried about it being a horror movie. Be a little, maybe do also do some IMDb content. Yeah, maybe check. Um, but it's, I, I think, it's closer to existential horror than sure. anything else. I will um, say maybe the scariest scene in a movie I saw this year was when Lupita Nyong'o as Red gives a monologue about her backstory. Sure, terrified me. Sure. <laughs> so scary in a great way. Lupita Nyong'o's amazing. Yes. Oh, that is true. There, there. <laughs> I, I'm saying it's not creepy, and then you you made me re- remember that entire kind of introduction of oh their characters. Uh, that is horrifying. She um, is amazing. Again, more existential than anything yes, else. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and, and it's a fairly merciful movie in that a lot of the really violent things happen kind of out of frame. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I thought was kind of a neat, a neat yes. creative choice. And that is a movie packed with Easter eggs. Yes. Down to the what VHSs are on the shelf. Sure. You know. Sure. 
I would just say if you think you can stomach it, if 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 you at all have any interest in it, definitely go watch it. it I think it's very good. You can stomach it better than Midsommar, most likely. <laughs> yeah, I would. In terms of so. in terms of like physical violence, you can totally. It's sure. way easier. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that's a good pick. Number six. Uh, Knives Out. Ah! Hey, there it is. Uh, watching this, I was just like, wow, why is Ryan Johnson really good with, like, the details of mm-hmm. just, like, non-science fiction plots? Because <laughs> that's, no, because that's, that's some of my biggest criticisms of both Looper and Last Jedi. Of, like, I don't think he knows how to do, like, detail-specific plot points in science fiction. But this, where it's, like, it's a murder mystery, there's no sci-fi involved, somehow he's able to have it all make sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Ron Johnson's a great director. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. I'll go ahead and say mm-hmm. now I that Knives Out did not movie. make my list. Um, wow. But I'm shocked. I, I think that a lot of that might just be because I saw it like right before I went on this run of seeing a bunch of other movies. I mm-hmm. probably need to watch it again. You got a little drowned out. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I think it, it got lost in the shuffle, but I did I did love it. I think that is a very good movie. Yeah, and I think um, for me it's it's a movie that is so solid. I almost forget it. Yes. Which is a weird thing to say. It's like, oh yeah, it's doing it's doing good over there. It's doing yeah. its thing. Um, maybe it's because it's so consistent. Sure. It's like it's so steady; it never gets loud. Almost, I don't know. But it, but at the same time, like I don't know what problem I have with yeah. it. Really, it's just a great ride. Yeah, yeah, good pull. I just appreciated just like so many powerhouse performances. Yes, like, just. Sure. I mean, the movie is like half a murder mystery, and half half of it's just like let's just watch all these characters just act together. Yeah. Right. Let's just see the interplay. So that was a lot of fun. And I think of all the movies that I've seen, that's probably – of my top ten at least, it was probably the funniest. Yeah. So it's a, a, it's a very funny movie. Uh, Tony Collette going, I forgive you. She can do anything. Yep. Including convince me she's not Australian. Because guess what? She's Australian. <laughs> uh, so my number six we just talked about is Us. There you go. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna, you're going to hear a lot of titles more than once, I think, right now. Uh, yeah, everything Tyler said, check it out. It's, it's also a movie that the final twist is so smart. Yes. That, and, and, I, and I went, I am surprised, but I, I can, I don't know. It, this to- I don't feel stupid for not having figured it out, mm-hmm. but it totally makes sense that this is yes. the twist. And it, and it casts everything. Yeah, it, in a very I don't want to say light. too much about it because yeah, go watch it. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's such a it's such a hard movie to recommend because how much can you really say about it? I, I recommended it previously on the podcast, but every performance, uh, Winston Duke is a lot of fun. He's yeah. really good. Um, both of the kids, uh, Elizabeth Moss is in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. great movie. Mm-hmm. Us. Yeah. This, so. this is a year of a lot of people making their second big feature. Yeah, and I'd say it was a pretty much all around hit. I mean, Hereditary to Midsommar. The Vivich to uh, Lighthouse. Lighthouse. Yeah, I mean, get out to us. Mm-hmm. You know, good stuff. Yep. My number six is Booksmart. Oh, um, this sister. This is a... Uh, I, I've heard some people bring it up as, like, super bad, but with the girls. I have also not seen super bad. <laughs> I'm going to throw that it's out It's been there. years since I, I could have. not give you a comparison of that. However... Based on what I know, sort of uh, through cultural osmosis, I think that is selling this movie far too short. Yes, uh, this movie is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is one of, if not the best movies about just like being a high schooler. Sure. Um, 
There's a couple of others that I really enjoy. Uh, I, I constantly take the opportunity, whenever I can, to bring up HF17, oh, which yeah. is a wonderful, wonderful movie with yes, Haley yes, Seinfeld. Yes, yes. Um, and I would throw like eighth grade in there, oh. um, Bo Burnham. But, uh, and I, I feel like I shouldn't say Bo Burnham in, without mentioning the actress's name of that, whose name I can't Elsie remember. Fisher. There we go, Elsie Fisher, yes, yeah, who is also right. great in that. Anyway, Booksmart. <laughs> um, yeah. The reason I bring those up is because Booksmart, to me, lands in those in the territory of those movies, both of which I think are incredible, and I think it's it's perfectly right alongside those in terms of just capturing what it's like to be a high schooler Mm. um in a way that is is beautiful and and it is a little bit over the top at times i have a couple of qualms with the way it approaches it does some of the classic high school comedy yeah it's a hollywood movie yeah Um, Yeah. but there are just some really really incredible moments uh really incredible like cinematography Mm -hmm. uh there's a few scenes in particular that I just think of, and I'm just like, man. <laughs> there's, a tra- there's a tracking shot in that movie. The, that, yes, there's oh, an amazing tracking shot. Um, uh, really, a, a couple. Um, and, and there's a there's a few just particular scenes they set up uh, that are just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really recommend you go see it if you haven't. Got, go see it, I guess. You would, it's on Hulu. At this point, you would, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, I, it's I, I guess that's how I saw it, too. It's right there. Um, and I just think it's 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 also hilarious. Um, it's very, very genuinely funny. funny. Um, but it, it is just incredibly like emotionally just i don't know it's just it, a, it's a it, it is a satisfying watch yes like by the end of it i was like i'm good man i just yes. that's a good yes. that's a good rich I was, experience i was electric after watch i, was just, I know man. that was a great movie man. absolutely number five i feel bad because my I... next movie is super bad <laughs> no no i I'm I'm not going to be a downer. I'll keep this brief. I tried watching Booksmart. I got about half an hour in. And I turned it off. I oh, really? did not get into it at all. There you go. Um, well, as so you can see, Alex is the most wrong of anyone else. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm just going to say Caitlin Deaver's name over and over again. <laughs> She's one of my favorite actors. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't really enjoy it. I chuckled maybe twice <laughs> in the first half hour and... I could have kept going, but then I was just kind of concerned that I would just keep getting more and more frustrated with it. So I kind of just wow. backed away. Anyways, back to positivity. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you're, you're totally allowed to have your feelings, dude. Um, we all know you're a big fan of of Mean Girls 2. <laughs> well, well, I mean, t- take take what I, I'm saying with a huge grain of salt because I do like Superbad. So yeah. I... I I saw it in theaters and haven't seen it since then, so I could, I can't tell you a thing about that movie. I in terms of my um, opinions of it, plot wise, it's very similar. I would and say I mean, both of them go for very similar types of like gross out humor with like the dialogue and stuff. Also, Beanie um, Feldstein and Jonah Hill are siblings. Are they really? Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, huh. I did want to really mention. Uh, I feel like I shouldn't like I feel like Olivia Wilde should be up for a, and and I'm saying this completely steamrolling over Alex here. You're what you're saying here. I just wanted to throw out how I how I feel about it. I feel like Olivia Wilde should be up for like best director. I think it's a movie that kind of got lost in the shuffle because it's so early in the yeah. year. Yeah. And it's such a um, yeah, people wouldn't expect d- it. Great, but. great debut. Yeah. Was that her first? It was her first feature. Yeah. yeah. If you if you can wrap your mind around that. Yeah. Maybe anyway. at some point in the future I'll give it another shot and yeah. realize what a brilliant movie yeah. it is and how wrong I've been. But <laughs> or I, or you will have your own emotional reaction, which is the point. It's okay. I absolutely did not enjoy myself while I was watching well, part go. of it. Anyways, number five, uh, Uncut Gems. Hey. Um, okay. Have not another seen that movie. One. I can't even say like I enjoyed it. It's it's just like an <laughs> exercise in making yourself as uncomfortable as possible for two hours. Another movie with a great score. <laughs> um, um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like, Adam Sandler's brilliant in it. Like, I wish he would just do more movies like this instead of just, like, his normal terrible comedies. Um, I mean, everybody says that. Uh, I don't know. Just, like, it's just so tense, yeah. the whole yeah. movie. Uh, like, the third act, I don't think I've I've been that tense yes. while watching a movie, like, the whole year. Yeah. Um, and there's there's particular moments where the audience reacted and, it, like, the reaction was, like, so violent. I was like, wow, this movie's, like, really, like, doing its job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, – another movie that didn't make my list but very well could have. Uh, Adam Sandler is, I think, quite good in it. And I, But I honestly – I think that's underselling – like, if you're focusing too much on Adam Sandler, Sandler, you're underselling just how good that movie is. Gotcha. Right. Um, I mean, it, it's not a situation where it's like – I don't think – Joker without Joaquin Phoenix, like, the movie doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Whereas with this – like Adam Sandler is wonderful in it, but I don't think taking him out of the equation like completely breaks exactly. the movie. Yeah. yeah, because the movie has so many just like like the sound editing in that movie is absurd, um, and the yes. way that it kind of like blends the conversation into like it, it treats the conversations is, like a real is conversation. Purposefully overbearing yes. in certain parts, and it's like it's like completely messing with your it's, senses it's while you're trying to focus. Claustrophobic. And you're like, oh, that's how he's that's how he feels. Yeah, okay, it's, it's I get claustrophobic and stressful and just like. I gotta say it, it did not make my list largely because it made me feel so gross. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's such a good movie. Lakeith Stanfield is in that, right? Yes, he is. Ah, dynamite. Um, Alex, have you seen Punch Drunk Love? No, I want to. He's really good in that one too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's my number five. Number five. So we're now at the stage where you, I these movies are in an arbitrary order. My next five movies, you can kind of just cycle them around. My number five is my number two. My number three yep. is my one. My one is my four. Everything's the same. But I'm starting with number five with a movie that I just cannot get out of myself. It is called The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Okay. This is directed by Joe Talbot, speaking of directorial features. <clears throat> and it is – it's an original story based on the main actor's real life, Jimmy Fails. He's a guy uh, in San Francisco, a black man, who is just determined to uh, keep – is he he wants to own this house that his grandfather built and that's the premise of the movie and it's about him trying to get a hold of this house and everything that he goes through for that to happen but the movie more than that the movie is about home it's about the way you relate to your hometown it's about friendship it's about the way you relate to the world around you when you have so much history in it there's this great line where he says you can't hate something if you didn't love it first it is I think narratively it's a strong movie, but I think as an experience it is basically transcendental – or transcendent, excuse me, mm-hmm. for me. I thought it's maybe my favorite score of the year. The music is <laughs> – Another great score. The music is incredible and the, it is so beautifully shot. <clears throat> I mean there are just – or I'm holding my hands like Roger Ebert where he used to have his hands up like he was trying to figure out whether to turn right or left. Um it's so gorgeous to look at where you have these shots of him skateboarding up a hill mm-hmm. and there's like traffic on the other side of the street. There's this one beautiful tracking shot where they're playing the Jefferson Airplane song, um, Somebody to Love. Yes. Just following him as he skateboards. It's really fast and chaotic. And there's editing in this movie that is so precise and crisp. And there is the, – the, the two things I really want to hit, one is the performance at, by – 
the actor Jonathan Majors, who plays our main character's best friend Mont, mm-hmm. just blew me out of out of the water. He's so good in this movie. I I, I might have seen him in something before this. I'm not super familiar with him, but I'm just like obsessed now. He's amazing. And also Danny Glover is in it, and he's really sweet. Mm-hmm. But there is a song – so there's this old like 70s like singer-songwriter thing called If You're Going to San Francisco, Be Sure to Wear Flowers in Your Hair. They do that song in this movie with this new guy, new vocalist, who actually appears on that song Tyler was mentioning in Us in the credits. Hmm. He sings the chorus on that song. Mm-hmm. I don't know the guy's name, but I have listened to his version of that San Francisco song. Yes. So many times. I, I heard it in the trailer for the movie, and I listened to it multiple times before I even saw the movie. And I was like, this is – I love the way he covers it. I love the way it's arranged. And it's such a, such a different spin on that song. It's a movie that I think – again, I like the story. The story's well done. The acting is good. But just as, as an – I wish I'd seen it in a theater because the experience of watching these images – like the opening is a street preacher just ranting about yes. life, and it's so beautiful and chaotic. And hearing this music and all of it together, it's just this experience that it's like not the same as like a Terrence Malick, but it's almost in that vein. It's It really just uh, moved me. And mm-hmm. I'm going to turn, again, like Roger Ebert, to Tyler, like he's Gene Siskel and also saw the movie. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I just recently saw this, and I'm really glad you, you – put it on there because uh i think i i wanted to like it maybe more than i did um i i think there's a little bit about the story that's a little kind of bare bones yeah i agree Um, the which there there's some great performances and there's some great kind of emotional stuff in there uh but for me it was a i didn't quite connect with me fully because i i felt like there wasn't a ton to the main plot however um this movie i think that this it could have just been like a silent movie with just some of the shots, yeah. like like an extended hour and a half of the shots and the music that were chosen, mm-hmm. um, because there are some shots of like San Francisco, with there some of the, sometimes it's moving, sometimes it's just a still shot of something happening within it, yeah. And just the way it's chosen and the music lands so so brilliantly, yes. And like is so evocative of just like you feel. Yeah. Everything the movie wants you to feel, yeah. just through the the sight and the sound. Like there's no, yeah. You don't really need to know what's going on in it. Like you can just see that scene and be like, man, yeah. Some really really good stuff in that. And, I mean, I'm very excited to see what that director does next. Same, so, yeah, same. And it's not a San Francisco that you see in the movies a lot. It's not, you know, the Full House opening. It's yeah. not the bridge. It's 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 houses. It's corner stores. It's it's. Like how people – I guess people would say like, oh, that's not – New York isn't just the Empire State Building and it's, 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 it's these little streets off – these off streets and everything. And, and, and it's that kind of movie. I, I no. just really love that movie. Um, my number five, going for kind of a completely different vibe. <laughs> the first white man in <laughs> – The first white man in New York from 1920. Um, <laughs> the story of Henry Ford. <laughs> hey, it's me. Hey, Ford v. Ford. No, um, <laughs> That is another one that I have not seen. Yes, have any of us seen Ford v. Ferrari? Nope. That's probably another one we should mention. Yes. I anyway, get there. Uh, we'll get there, yeah. Although, uh, I think it might say something that we all completely forgot about. That's very <laughs> until right now, yes. Uh, um, Joseph's a big fan, though. Joseph liked it Yeah, jo- Joseph, friend of the podcast. Uh, we are assuming that your top ten is just Ford v. Ferrari. Friend um, and occasional so co-host you know, of the podcast. Uh, you can message I mean, us it's, it's also it's also Endgame. That's true. <laughs> His top, yes. Um, 
But his top three are Endgame. The rest are four. That's fair. Uh, Until you get to ten, and then ten is Endgame. Eh, Wonder Park. But. <laughs> <laughs> My number five is Parasite. Yes. Um, I think this. I have to let me let me consult my list real quick before I make <laughs> this bold statement. Um, it is a movie that I, I think, especially as you'll see from kind of like my top four, um, I am definitely my my sensibilities are more towards positive stuff sure. than negative stuff. Um, not not necessarily like uh, fully just like yeah everything's happy, but just like hopeful. Hopeful. That's a good. That's a good way to put it. Um, that's why Uncut Gems didn't make mine, even though I think Uncut Gems is one of the best movies of the year. If I'm just talking about like what are the best movies, um, Parasite is one that is just completely like draining yeah. and just horrifying at times in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. And I think if I had some machine. Um, and this machine was able to just analyze every movie that came out in 2019, and it was able to give me the the objectively best movies of 2019 in terms of, like, whatever that means. I mean, we the reason the machine doesn't exist is because that doesn't really exist as, an, as a measure. Yeah. But I think if I was just looking at, like, what is the best movie, um, I think it would be Parasite. Sure. Because it's just brilliant. Um, yeah. It takes it goes in so many strange directions. Uh, it, it it feels like every twenty minutes the movie turns into a new movie. That's true. Um, it's so sort of nuanced in the way it's trying to to tackle the things it wants to tackle. The cast is incredible. The dialogue is incredible. It's it's funny. It's very funny. Terrifying. It's it's sometimes heartwarming, sometimes depressing. I mean, it it, may, it, it is the it'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the epitome of that like it's so the tone is so strange and interesting and and it's just a completely different movie from almost anything else we're talking about Mm. i think it has a lot in common with us and i think it it, there there are some elements that you see pop and knives out as well knives out for sure even joker do a little bit sure sure um there but like to me i think it stands above all of those um uh, again the reason it's not higher is because it is a little bit more of a downer, mm-hmm. um, maybe a lot more of a downer um, than most of the other movies on my list. And the fact that it, I have put it in my top five is a testament to the fact that I think I still like think about this movie a lot, and I'm like, man, that was really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's my number five. We saw and, it. Yes, we yeah, mention that. We saw it together, and it in a in a packed house. I mean, mm-hmm. a really big uh, crowd for that. You know uh, that. No one really seemed put off by the subtitles, or, and that audience was totally with that movie. Like yes. they were very reactive, really were feeling this thing because, like you said, that movie takes hard left turns, mm. and it's like now it's a different movie, and in ways that never feel like, wait, what? Yeah. It's like, oh, that, oh, that's because, oh my god, yeah. like that movie is so impressive mm. on on so many levels, so beautifully shot, so wonderfully cut. Uh, Kang Ho Song is just one of the many great actors in that. He played the the dad of the mm-hmm. the poor family. I'm so happy that it's getting such acclaim, and um, Bong Joon Ho is such a great director. And yeah, this is just like it's something else. Yeah, something else. Alex, number four. 
once again, steering off in a completely different direction, John Wick Chapter 3. (laughs) I was wondering. such a good pull. I haven't seen it. (laughs) That's a good one. Alex, good good call, man. Um, Yeah, this movie's awesome. Uh, All the action scenes are wonderful. Uh, Keanu Reeves, of course, is just the coolest guy alive. Um, I don't know. There's just so many... for the third movie in a in a franchise that that is is very light on plot, it still manages to be very interesting with the set pieces and with the world building. Um, I don't know how it does it. Like th- these are like the the best action sequences of 2019. Like all of them, any of them could compete for that. <laughs> He's riding on a horse. Yep. And people are chasing him with motorcycles. Yes. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> yes. Um, we will eventually get to that franchise. Uh, I, I wonder if that movie could have gotten onto my list. Uh, it, it was There was a time when I kind of wanted to do, like, a um, honorable mentions, and that would have yeah. been in it. Uh, the problem is that we, we did, and I, I think maybe I had seen some of the first one before we did this, um, but then The weekend, either The weekend that came out or, like, right after... Um, you brought over Alex the the first. It was two. the night before we saw the third one. We watched one and two, and then oh, proceeded wow. to watch the third one, um, like the next day. And I was just so like, I am exhausted and <laughs> defeated, and like that was great, but like what? <laughs> yeah. Um. So we will we will get around to that, and we'll talk about that, and, and give those a little bit more time to breathe. Hopefully, I think it's my favorite of the three. I'd need to go back and watch them. That, it might be my favorite. That is such a cool universe that we'll need. I'm, I'm excited for us to talk about Well, I don't know when we'll get to that. Hopefully it'll be sometime this year. Um, also, this is like the one time Halle Berry has been in a genre movie and I've liked yeah. her. So <laughs> kudos to that. <laughs> Apparently Kidnap's pretty good. Um, that's, yeah, I'm, I keep forgetting. I gotta, I gotta get caught up on my John Wicks because, oh boy, what good times. And also, whenever Lawrence Fish- Fishburne shows up mm-hmm. and it's just like he's giving the hammiest performance, it's just delightful. He's so good. He's so solid. Uh, yeah. My number four, again, our rankings are not arbitrary for me, is Parasite. Everything we just said, it's objectively speaking, might be the best movie of the year. It's just, I don't know, it, it, just, it just does a lot, does it all <laughs> well. I'm a big East Asian film fan, but no matter who you are, I think uh, you can just really engage with this movie yeah. and get get a good. It's a movie that I, at, at some point, it might get too overhyped, but I also think it will. I think it's hard to overhype. It's it. hard to really overhype it because unless um, you go in absolutely determined to hate it, I think it would be hard to to get to be. I think it would be hard to have it ruined by the outside discussion unless you were spoiled. Yeah, uh, in terms of what happens in it, this is one of those where, like, you know, you get the spoilers about like your Star Wars and your MCU. People are like, "Oh, how could you spoil that?" And that's like where spoiler co- culture came yeah, from, I guess. Yeah. Or like now that's a thing people talk about. This is a movie that, like, genuinely you do not want to have spoiled because it is such a roller coaster. And yeah, yeah. that said, it's so well made. I think you'd still enjoy it, but ideally you would go in right. unspoiled. Right. Yeah. Um, my number four is. Make sure I got. I keep my keep closing my phone. My number four is yes, uh, Jojo Rabbit. Oh yes, um, not on my list because I need to rewatch it to sure. really really get a good grip on it. This is one that I, I caught fairly recently. I actually caught in a double feature of Uncut Gems and Jojo Rabbit, um, which, which was first. I'm glad I finished jo- with Jojo I'll, Rabbit. Okay, good. Um, I would have been just. I don't think oh, I would have made man. it to the end of Uncut Gems. I think I would have just been like, how I don't how, know. how funny that you're like. Thank God I finished on the Nazis. Oh man, <laughs> those New York jewelers. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, This is a really interesting movie because, like, this has been weirdly divisive. Not weirdly, I guess, but divisive in the sense that, like, a lot of people, I think, refuse to um, engage with the premise of Taika Waititi playing a silly Hitler. Um, And some people just immediately sort of dismiss it. And then some people obviously watch the movie and don't like it uh, and and think that it is over the top and and ridiculous and therefore, like, it, it... to me, the reason that I really, really, really enjoy this movie, I think the best way I can put it is that it very much um, it highlights the fact that just because uh, the Nazi culture, the Nazi regime was can, can be ridiculed and should be ridiculed, um, it doesn't take away from the fact that it was very effective and terrifying yeah. and that also has to be grappled with. And I think the movie does a, a really incredible job of, of coming at it from these angles of like, oh yeah, isn't this like really silly and fun? But also, yeah. don't forget, they did this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it really digs into that. There's, a, there's been a decent amount of people saying like, oh, well, well he's apologizing for, for Nazis by saying that if they'd been better understood, they would have changed their mind or whatever, which is, it, the movie is about a 10-year-old boy. Yeah, I think it's um, about a child more. I th- yeah. Developing a crush on a... A, a teenage girl um and like that's where everything else spirals out of it's it's not about like the movie is not about a grown a grown man nazi being like i'm changing my mind because no. i because a, a jew was nice to me um no no it's it's very much it and the movie very much highlights the fact that this boy has had so many of these horrible horrible things entrenched in his brain right from an early age and it's already so stuck in there yeah and like the entire the arc of the entire movie is him trying to or the like i guess the movie the script the 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 characters trying to draw him out of this and 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 pull him into a a more sort of realistic and empathetic state of mind um he's an indoctrinated child that that learns to think for himself that's what the movie's about yeah um and and so there's been a lot of discourse about this that i really really hate because i think that I can I can get why people wouldn't like it, and that's I'm not saying you have to like it, but I'm saying if you dislike it because of one of those reasons, I think you are a not understanding it, and b not not to get too political because we never want to. Um, but I think a lot of the response to that also explains a lot of the the way that people don't understand how politics work now. Mm, mm, mm. And I'll just leave it at that. I don't I don't really want to dig too far into it, but like. I think there's a lot there's a lot of carryover in terms of sure. where those thoughts came from. And and stepping back from all of that, the movie's beautiful. Um great, yeah. It's it's funny, it's heartwarming, it's depressing. Um the 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 boy and oh, uh, the, the Roman actress. Roman Griffin Davis. And then the who is the actress? Thomas and uh, McKenzie. Who who plays the girl? Yes. Yeah, Thomas and McKenzie. Yes. Um, oh my god, I love her. They're incredible. Um, Scarlett Johansson might be one of my favorite performances by her. And I, yeah. I watched Marriage Story. I think I, it's a strong performance. Sure. I think this this might be my favorite performance by her. Like, th- there's some really interesting sort of, like, almost sillier things than she normally does yeah. in this. Yeah. And, like, it's it's a completely different role for – I mean, not completely different, I guess. But, like, it is quite a no, different role. No, it is. She usually um, doesn't a- get asked to play goofy. <laughs> yes. It, it's a very different role from what she normally gets. Um, and I think – plays to her strengths more and is is uh endearing and, and really draws you in in a way that a lot of her other roles maybe maybe don't or aren't given the the room to um it's yeah uh and taika and is yeah. oh, marvelous <laughs> the entire portrayal entire portrayal of hitler in this uh by taika is 
incredible in what it does and where it goes. Yes, um, the art and 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 again, the, there's a specific scene I'm thinking of. Um, the, talking about the overall movie as my last note on it, there's a specific scene that is so horrifying and tense and hilarious at the same time. Um, towards the end of the movie. It just captures everything the movie is, is trying to do and I think really, really succeeds at. Um, I definitely don't, like, say... I, my recommendation is if you have at all been turned off by people saying, oh, well, it's about silly Hitler, so you can't like it, um, go watch it. That's not what it's about at all. It, there's so much more to it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it has a lot to say that is very, very relevant and very, very sweet and powerful. I look I forward know. to watching it again and getting a better grip on it because it's a movie that I like a lot in hindsight. I liked it when I watched it and then right. in hindsight my appreciation has grown so I'm excited to revisit right. it. Let's see where we go. Big three! Yeah, the top three for Alex. Uh, my I am three. mother. <laughs> that is not my number three. Good. My number three is Rocket Man. Oh, oh yeah. I knew you were going to put it on your list. I didn't put it on mine but obviously we are we are compatriots in this. Uh, Taron Edgerton is absolutely wonderful. wonderful. Um, I really like how it approaches being a biopic in terms of it's not like, I, I like how it, how it's very much a fantasy. It's very much a fictionalized version mm-hmm. and it's unabashedly that. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of gets like really weird and it, it's, it's like a musical. Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, it, it is, is a musical. musical. Yeah. Um, and I just like really appreciate how all of the songs are weaved into the mm-hmm. story, um, and they all feel relevant to whatever is going on. Like, Smartly they're very chosen, very well chosen, um, and they're also very well orchestrated. Like I regularly listen to just the songs from, yeah, sure. from the movie, as opposed to I mean I also listen to the normal versions of the Elton John right. songs, um, but I don't know these these stand on their own and they're really really good. Yeah, um, that goodbye Yellow Brick Road is mm-hmm. awesome in this movie, and um, I mean the actual sequence where they play Rocket Man. Yeah, it's is, really, really like good. I think I can't remember if it was that or if there was somewhere earlier in the movie. Um, I cannot remember what the other song they use is. That I what's what's the one that they use while he's standing on the piano in the baseball uniform? That's Rocket Man. Is it Rocket Man? Is okay, it? is that part yeah. of that? Um, yeah. And no, then, I, and I love something. love that because that's. Like he starts off trying to kill himself in the pool, yes. and then it transitions to him being literally carried to the stadium yeah. by like paramedics. That entire sequence is so beautiful and crazy, yeah. and like I, I think that sequence got me to like the point of tears. Um, I, I didn't, the, I had some problems with the movie, uh, but Ed- Edgerton's performance and mm-hmm. the way that the musical stuff was done is so good. Yeah. Uh, no, Richard Madden's really good in that movie mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just I don't know. When I watched it, I was just kind of mesmerized. Yeah, I was like, "This is all right. This is kind of what I want." If you're gonna make like a music biopic, and even then, it's got some problems in sure. terms of. I felt like a lot of times when when it wasn't just the straight up musical numbers, it was a little generic in how it was shot and yeah. sort of yeah yeah that that's kind of, of the production of where it was at yeah um it felt kind of by the numbers. Um, which I was fine with because then you get the musical numbers sure. in there. It's a good contrast, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's I really really liked it. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I'm I'm really glad surprise, that you did because yeah, I was a big fan of that movie as well. Another one that I wish I had seen in theaters. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, my number three, um, 
is all Booksmart. There you go. Uh, yeah, so great. <laughs> so great, making me feel even This worse. means you no, have to make it your it, number zero, Alex. It's just it's his opinions, dude. I didn't even put Rocket Man on mine. Yeah, same. Um, it, but you said you didn't do it because you knew I would do it. Well, see, I, did I wasn't putting Booksmart on mine regardless. That's fine. It's all, it's well, all that's, that's where I was at Rocket Man, so you know what it's for. Yeah, I'm not angry. You know? Um, but yeah, Booksmart. And Joker. <laughs> I think it's super funny. <laughs> I think it's super sweet. And it was really great uh, to see a movie that had... Uh, LGBTQ yeah. characters used uh, and also not used that were just in the movie mm-hmm. and it wasn't sensationalized. It was very normalized. And uh, Billy Lord's really good. Benny Feldstein's great. Lisa Kudrow. And Caitlin Deaver. Oh, sister. I mm-hmm. adore her. She's so great in this movie. She's the one that made me cry in the movie and I just think it's a good, good time. Less thought on that. Um, both uh, Booksmart and Caitlin Deaver's character and also uh, Eighth Grade with Elsie Fisher um, both of those characters have karaoke scenes. That's true. Um, That's that true. are so so effective for entirely different reasons. That's and true. And they are like what I think about when I think about those two movies. And and that is like yeah. I, I that that is why for me it lands in that that echelon of like the the vibe and the feeling you get from that is. Oh, that's is so a good strong. point. Um, Un- uh, eighth grade was my uncut gems. I was just so tense that yeah, entire sure. movie. Oh boy! Oh, oh boys! I think I think that's that's where most people landed on. What a great achievement! But yes. oh man, yes. chilling. Um, my number three is stealing your thunder, Britain. I'm sure. I'm sorry, Little Woman. Oh, there you go. Um, oh, here we go. Oh, it's delightful. Yes, oh, it is. A, a great score. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> and this is by uh, this is a redemption uh, arc for. Uh, Alexandre de Pla. Um, <laughs> what did he do? Who did uh, the last three, four Harry Potter movies? Oh, I think it's three. Wow. Okay. I want to say, I, or, or maybe even two. I don't know. I know he I did. Think he, I think it's just two. Did he do the Fantastic Beasts movies as well? Oh, I'm not sure. I know he did both Deathly Hallows movies, and that might be it. And those those two specifically, we were very much like, eh. Yeah. Um. It's very like atmospheric in a way that is not nearly as engaging as mm-hmm. a lot of the earlier Harry Potter scores. This score, and however, then at the end of the movie, they whip out the John Williams yeah. team, and you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> this score, however, for Little Woman, is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um. So much like the rest of the movie, spun. the the movie is delightful. It's bright. It. it the main cast is spectacular. Uh, yeah, Laura Dern again. Right. Um. Sorcerer Ronan, Florence Pugh, uh, Emma Watson, yeah, Emma Watson, of course, yeah, Eliza Scanlon. Um, the, it's just, yeah, I mean, Timothy, yeah, yeah, Cashabo, little Timmy Tim, if you want yes. a horror show, yes, um, the, they're just all really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the the script is incredible. I I have not ever read the book, but just like. You can tell having looked it up later um, after I got out of the movie to see like how did they actually adapt that and, and like was there really any major differences? Realizing what she did, what Greta Gerwig did to adapt it from the book, so smart is brilliant. Like yeah. ju- like I don't I don't have to have read the book to know like that is genius. Yeah, and the, in both the way it's kind of structured and then there's a couple of changes towards the end that they make. It's it's the, just a spectacular movie. I completely um, agree. Really, really brilliant. I I probably said those four words uh, twenty times in this podcast, but, but so, it's true. Yeah, I, we're I mean, getting to the point where I just don't know how to describe how much I like these things. Yeah, um, just yeah, it's so wonderful. Yeah, 
Also, Bob Odenkirk is in that. And he's great. (laughs) As as he usually is. For sure. Uh, My number two, Under the Silver Lake. Ah! It's a weird weird fever dream, and Andrew Garfield is awesome in it. I completely forgot that you were were pulling that back. That's nice. Nice. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you <laughs> I don't. I don't have anything to say about it. Just go watch it. It's Are we weird. sure you wouldn't love Twin Peaks? <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> like I, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I, I feel like, I don't know. If you're gonna be like a weird, very abstract movie where I don't really know what's happening, yeah. like I don't know what elements you need to include to get me on board. But just there are certain movies that are able to get me on board. Yeah. In a way that I don't quite understand, and this is one of them. I think the biggest thing that movie does right in terms of allowing, like, if if you do engage with it, allowing you to engage with it, is that the main character is not this, like, um, obscured, sort of hard-to-read person. He's this very, like, schlubby, just, like, wandering around. Um, is, that, is that set in San Francisco? Am I making that up? Or is it somewhere else in California? It's somewhere... Uh, isn't it just L.A.? Cause they're, oh, you're, you're right. Hollywood. It's L.A. Duh. I'm, I'm done. Um, you're right. You're right. Uh, the, the It's all the same, right? I'm, I'm, I've never yeah. been to California. Yeah, everyone in California. It's, it's, it's all desert, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's desert and the big Hollywood sign. The fact that he is just this, like, complete, just lazy slob who's just wandering around and, like, ignoring the fact that he has to pay rent while, while yeah. following all these insane clues... Like it makes it so much more interesting and 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 fun to watch because instead of having this main character who you're like maybe you're constantly wondering who what he's doing or what he's up to or maybe I mean it's he's he's not likable but it's it's also not like repulsive <laughs> like he's he's he, likable or, or he's unlikable in a way that's funny yeah and kind of endearing yeah. um it's yeah it's a fascinating performance and a, and a fascinating movie. I think at... what what helps is that it's just really funny. Yeah. Like, it's just weird. Mm-hmm. I'm looking um, at the uh, cast list here, and some of the characters are Handsome Man, Long Island Wino, <laughs> Chesty Woman, Ugly Art Man, Cute Art Woman, Giant <laughs> Hipster with Giant Beard, Tuxedo Guard, <laughs> Shooting Star. This makes sense to me. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch that movie. Yep. Yep. It's a lot. Yeah. I don't know what to make of it. I just know I liked it. Yeah. Sure. Uh, my number two is Little Women. Oh, oh here we God. go. Sir Ronan is, is my favorite actor. This is this is the big twist we've all been waiting <laughs> this is for. The big Who could have seen it coming? It's uh, Sir is my favorite actor. I think she's just perfect all the time, and she's so good in this. And there's a part where all the sisters are being introduced and nodding, and she just kind of bumps her head up like, "What's up?" Yeah. And she punches Timothy Chalamet in the arm, which is great. Florence Pugh is phenomenal. Chris Cooper is really, really good in this. He's mm-hmm. very, very sweet. Um, tapping into the the, his, the Richard Jenkins he has inside of him, and it's. Yeah, I mean, it really just gives me vibes of, like, the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, which I love. Mm-hmm. I recommended this on the Cats episode. Um, I don't know, man. Little Women is just a good, entertaining movie, and you're absolutely right. It's it's a brilliant adaptation. Yeah. It's so smart. And, and entertaining is hard. Like, it's more than – like, you. it makes you care about every single character. No, it's very it, rich. It does it in a way it's that, very substantial. like, you yeah. don't always agree with everything they're doing, but, like, you, you, you understand them in, in a way that I think – Probably a lot of that vibe comes from mm-hmm. the original novel because that's where you, what you get with a lot of these classic novels is that they're very much like character studies. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. you're, you're getting that with all of these 
the entire main cast, and it's yeah, Greta Gerwig. This is her second big feature. Cannot wait for the third. She is just on a roll already with this and Lady Bird. Love mm-hmm. it. I think this is also one where I, I did watch Lady Bird after seeing Little Women, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think I probably would have felt the same way about Jordan Peele. Sure. Whereas very much like if I'd watched Lady Bird first, I would have been like, okay, okay, that was a solid outing. I, I'd, I'd like to see see things go a little, you know, yeah, get get a little more into it, and then Little Woman just blows it out of the park. Oh man, what a movie! <laughs> number one so, from Tyler. Number two. No, you're number Excuse two. I'm sorry. You. Um, <laughs> my number two. Is, <laughs> How dare you? Um, uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood. Hey, all right. Um, I Hey-o. came out. Guess of, what my number one is? <laughs> oh snap! Um, I came out of this movie uh, just like in love with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it leaves you on a very very weird vibe. Yeah. Um, that I think is is excellent. Um, like, like I think it's a, it's a great sort of, I mean, again, talking about like the hopeful thing, it's, it leaves you, I think the best way I can, I can put it is that it leaves you feeling hopeful about this, uh, this, this horrible true event that happened. Yeah. Um, and it's in a way that it's not like distasteful. It's it, it very, no. I mean, I'm sure there are, there are people who could read it that way and I'm not just like saying that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. valid. Um, obviously the, I, I think I, I feel bad almost. I probably shouldn't, especially considering what my number one will be. Um, but uh, I feel bad saying... Your number one is The Haunting of Sharon Tate. Correct. Starring Hilary Duff. <laughs> <That's simple>. <laughs> <laughs> um, because the movie is about uh, largely two white men. Yep. Um, and yep. so, like, I, I don't want to, like, try to shoot down anybody's readings of right. <laughs> of this right. movie and, and why, or, why they may or may not dislike it. But... Um, I feel like the movie, and I feel like it it takes that so far in terms of like, I mean, kind of toxic masculinity and, and taking that sort of approach, um, and the fact that it, it does have these like stereotypical Hollywood yeah. heroes, and and putting them in this this story that is not a story that it's a real thing that happened that was a horrible tragedy, and and sort of pulling this or tragedy is probably a bad way to put it because it was human i don't know i don't know what you but mean just like I, 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 horrible yeah, event on yeah. um, these murders and puts them in in a way that is like so i mean it, it is a fairy tale or a, mm-hmm. kind of a fantasy of like man wouldn't have been have been great if yeah and then the fact that the movie leaves you with like that i mean it's i guess the the, the movie leaves you with this feeling that like you could be the one difference. Like I, mm. I, I think that's almost that's almost what I get from it. That like it just takes one person, yeah, to completely re- reroute. How, or I guess two people because Brad Pitt, and Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> but but still, yeah, it, it doesn't take much to completely reroute how history. That's goes. an interesting like, point. Like it's a it's a really brilliant way of doing that, and it's it's sad. It's like mournful about what happened, right? Um, while also kind of presenting that idea. And it's it's a really fascinating movie to me. I, I need to rewatch it. Um, and may I don't know. Maybe it'll go down, but it also might go up. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is one. The the others I think below this have kind of shaken up and down in terms of like where I wanted to put them. This is one that's kind of stuck here, and I think long term will probably end up being one of my um, favorite movies like of all time. Sure. <laughs> like I, I think I know the I know my number one is. Um, we'll talk about it. My number two. Your number one of the, movie ever of all time? No, my number one top ten okay. for 2019. I know that that's already stuck in the the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, uh, the Hall of Fame for me. Um, but uh, Once Upon a Time is uh, very much – like I, I am a huge fan of Inglorious Bastards. Mm. But that 
it because uh, that's another movie, obviously, that does a rework of yeah. history. It's a very different type of revision, but it's a though. it's a very different feel, and it's not. That's also not bad. Like I, I don't disagree with what that movie does. Um, but I think it does it in a way where it, it leaves you feeling more – it leaves you with a more straightforward feeling. Yeah. Um, this movie very much to me – and I haven't seen some of his earlier stuff. I haven't seen Jackie Brown. Um, mm. I haven't seen either of the Kill Bills. I don't think that they're, they're going to contradict what I'm sure about to so. say. Uh, but this movie feels like Tarantino at his most sort of like restrained mm. and, and tasteful. There's still a lot of Tarantino. Yeah. There's yeah, no yeah. doubt about that. Um, but – I think that it it just does so much to create this very interesting experience and approach mm. to history and and to filmmaking and to Hollywood's history and like it's I think it's fascinating and I really really love it. Your turn, Alex. Which leads us to <laughs> our number ones. Numbers um, one. The weird thing was I I wasn't even in love with the movie when when we saw it in the theater. I was just like, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh-huh. I don't know what to make of that this. ending. It's pretty good. Um, and just kind of letting it sit and, and hearing Tyler's thoughts on it and then watching it again when it came out on Blu-ray, I was just like, oh, this is – like uh, like all all the synapses in my yeah. brain were firing correctly. I was like connecting all the dots. I'm like, oh, this is like – oh, yeah. this is brilliant. Um, I don't know. It, it works on like all levels for me. It works on that mm. deeper thematic level of what it's trying to say and – being a fantasy and and having a very optimistic outlook like like Tyler was saying but then also just like it, it's it's for the most part until you get to the end it's just kind of like a fun hangout movie where it's just like I'm just watching these two guys try and live their lives mm-hmm. and and try and be successful in their careers the whole section of Leonardo DiCaprio trying to act in this this pilot for this show as the heavy um, it's, it's like one of my favorite, just like short little things in, in any movie I've seen mm. this, this past year. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just really, really good. And Brad Pitt's just like, man, great, great performance. Just delightful. Um, uh, yeah, he's the favorite to win the Oscar in his category. And I think that's fair. I think he's great in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Margot Robbie kind of goes like, I, I don't think she quite gets the credit she deserves. Yeah. And it, it seems to be that everybody just goes, oh, she doesn't talk that much in the movie. And I, I feel like people are just kind of neglecting how important her scenes are mm-hmm. and what they represent. Mm-hmm. And how powerful it's supposed to be when she comes back at the end. Yeah, yeah. I had some issues with, with the portrayal of Sharon Tate in the movie, but also I've only seen it once. So I would need to go back and, and already knowing not just how the movie ended, but like, okay, I know what the movie more or less is. Now let me really experience yeah. this thing and, and see yeah. how I thought about it. Yeah. And then also just the extended sequence at Spawn Ranch was basically yeah. as tense as the entirety of Uncut Gems. Yeah. So mm. it's got that too. Or Brad Pitt's walking around beating yeah, yeah, up yeah. Austin Butler and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's definitely my, my favorite movie of, of this past year. I absolutely blown away what's your name i'm the devil and i'm here to do the devil's work no something dumber than that <laughs> he's so good also might i think i say i say this a lot when i see a lot about leonardo dicaprio's like every performance he's done since the revenant sure. <laughs> i think i've been like oh oh that was a really good performance um that this might i think take the cake for me though in terms of my favorite he's uh, great DiCaprio performance he's, he's very and i didn't know that he had a stutter in the movie and the stutter is really well handled mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and like the end, I mean, all the stuff with with like him and the little girl he's acting yeah. with. Yeah. Oh, she's great in that yes. too. She's yes. wonderful. It's all brilliant. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, number guys, one? Uh, my number one is Cats. So this movie... <laughs> no. I was waiting for somebody to make that joke. Twist. No. Uh, my number one, and again, my number one is... Uh, it's Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, isn't it? You're yeah. pulling out another one. I would be the worst friend if I did that to you guys. <laughs> Guess what I saw? No, my... Um, so, so again, you, you, you could combine or switch around all of my top five. The Transcendence of Last Black Man in San Francisco, the... Uh, just roller coaster of Parasite, the f- firework of of Booksmart, and just the 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 glory and beauty of Little Women, and any of them can be a number one. So I'm going with this because it's kind of been at my number one for a while, and I'm gonna go with the Farewell uh, by Lulu Wong. Go. It's a lovely uh, small scale dramedy. Um, about family. I recommended on the show a while back. It's about family. It's about, you know, home, and it's about uh, uh, it's about loss, but not really. Kind of about it's about loss a little bit. Aquafina gives one of my favorite performances of the year. I think she is so good in this. Zhao Sujen is so wonderful in it as well. Diana Lin is amazing. Tsima and Young Bo Jong are both really great. I mean, it's just all the performances are beautiful. The music is fun. The writing there, there is only one sentence in the whole movie that I don't like. And otherwise, I think <laughs> the whole movie, it just works really well. I, and, and maybe it's my number one because it's the only one of these I've seen twice. All right. So I, I feel super comfortable with like, oh, yeah, I've watched it twice recently, and I, I loved it both times, and I cried both times. So, yeah, that's my number one. But you could really pick any of these last five for me, and I would be like, yeah, yeah it's my favorite movie of the year. Because, you know, it always switched, switches and shifts around, but I, I do feel really comfortable just, just bringing it home with uh, – the Farewell. I think it's just a really lovely movie that um, I'm really excited to see what Lulu Wong does next. And uh, and I hope people will check it out. Also, um, Last Black Man is on Amazon and The Farewell might be also. So, there's mine. Tyler, number one. Well, so, uh, so my top ten started out with The, the Lighthouse and uh-huh. Under the Silver Lake and we, we weaved through... Uh, Movie starring um, pretty much a, a predominantly a, a black cast, predominantly Asian cast. Mm-hmm. Um, movies movies starring uh, LGBTQ characters, uh, and uh, we we've we've arrived. Number two was a Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Number one is Avengers Endgame. <laughs> hey, who um, knew? Who it's, knew? It's and I, I realize, <laughs> and again, this is why we're talking about entirely. Uh, subjective oh, yeah. Come on. And, and not obje- objective because we we make some decent halfway attempt at trying to be objective in our uh in our regular reviews i think um we try maybe we is, try is a good way to put it um it's not really possible and for this i i just the feelings this movie gives me um i i can't like and and it's really more of a entire uh, or a sort of a monument to the entire MCU and, and the efforts of Kevin Feige, the efforts of all the actors, the writers, the cast, the, the Russos, the directors, like just everything coming together to this point to make this movie. And the fact that the movie hits that landing so hard, yep. every time I watch it, that third act gives me chills, if not tears. Um, I, I know that it's like the most bland, like answer for this. And turn like, like I realized that, that, it's gotten it's so popular and it's so good that people just sort of were like oh whatever 
Sure. Move on. Well, it's like we said about okay. Knives Out. It's so solid you forget about right. it. Right. Well, this is this is more like oh, no yeah. one forgets about it. They're just like, oh, well, it's not special because it's so just oh, I beloved. See I see what you're saying. But like that doesn't – There's a reason for that. The, it, the, that, is, that is totally fair. But for me personally, it just hits so hard in that, in that level. Um, seeing what they were able to do and, and being – I mean I think it's an incredibly impressive achievement coming yes. from – where the MCU started to where it ended. We talked about all of this on the Avengers Endgame podcast. Please feel free to go back and listen to that. Give us them views. Um, <laughs> but, man, I do, like, it It just sticks landing. Like, it, it, more, better than I ever could have hoped it yeah. would. Um, and, like, I, I don't want to talk too much about it because we did do an entire, entire podcast on it. But, like... No, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I regularly think about parts of that final fight while I'm like going for a run and it's just the adrenaline I need and not just, Oh, it's so exciting, but it's emotional. It's cathartic. Also great score. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Though for sure. Yeah. I agree. So yeah, I think 2019 was actually a pretty good, good year. And and there are are still some big ones that I I mean, there are several you guys brought up that I did not put on there, but could have. Oh, and Uh, same, same for both of (laughs) y'all. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I talk to me in a month, I could have a different list, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that's a sign of a good year. You want there to be things that you have to leave out. Um, I certainly thought about Endgame. I thought about Shazam a little bit. I mean, I, I danced around with a, a bunch of different ones. Rocket Man was, was very close. And, um, yeah, I mean, some of mine just came down to, oh, you know, I want to talk about a movie that I don't think anyone else is going to choose, and this is my opportunity to do right. that, when I know we're going <laughs> to talk about Rocket Man. I know we're going to talk about Endgame. Um. Yeah, and there was some overlap. Not as much overlap as I thought, but some yeah, some, some good, good overlaps. Um, you know, different list. Yeah. And and 2020, I'm sure will have its own uh, its own treasures, its own its own gems, both cut and uncut. Mm-hmm. And uh, just give me no time to die and Tenet, and I can call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> is Tenet coming out? I think I've asked this every time someone's brought up Tenet. Tenet is coming out in 2020. When is it coming out in 2020? I think it's just the summer, right? July, oh, probably. I, really. I oh did not realize goodness. that. I'm not I ready. So, that's I'm like not ready. Sure. That's when wow. all Christopher Nolan movies come out in like, I July. Let's go to watch Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we got, was awesome. We got Dune coming eh. out this year. Oh, is Dune this year? Dune is, oh, Dune is November, it. December. Oh, my God. Um, Dune comes out like December 23rd, I think. Does it really? Mm. Yeah. Merry Christmas. I got you some spice. Which means I have to... <laughs> Which means I have to read Dune. <laughs> You'll be done by December. And then 23rd. watch the David Lynch Dune. <laughs> we, it's okay, we? guys. See, see, no time to die. You know, we get that out of the way early. Comes out in April, and then I have the rest of the year to recover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> guys, I really can't wait till we do the David Lynch Dune for Valentine's Day. Now, <laughs> um, golly. So, uh, final notes before we sign off. Um, uh, first of all, this podcast was just what I needed, so thank you both for being good friends, and this helped me with my my mental illness uh, woes. So thank you both very much. Love you. Yeah. Two, um, uh, the Oscars are coming up. Uh, I've always enjoyed award shows this year. Whatever. Um, I just want to give a quick note on that kind of thing. If you're the kind of person that doesn't like the Oscars, that's totally cool. Odds are your reasons are fully valid. Just, you know, don't be a spoiled sport. Let people have fun. If you're like me and you do love the Oscars, be a good sport. <laughs> like, it's super fun to get enjoyed. Like, have fun. You know what I mean? Like, this is not a big deal. 
and uh, whatever your wherever your stance is on all this kind of millionaires giving each other statues, <laughs> however you feel about it, just be a good sport. That that's my 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 one wish. And uh, the best thing I ever heard about the Oscars was written by a, a guy named Chris Tapley who said. Enjoy the Oscars on Sunday. Enjoy the movies forever. And I think that's that's sure. the point. You know, we we whatever happens or doesn't happen, what really matters is that we all had fun. We all had fun. Is that we all get to that movies get to be made and movies by different people get to be made and that we all get to see these movies and experience these movies together or alone and and that we get to learn more about each other and about ourselves. Whatever they they do, you know, every time you watch a movie, you become a little bit, a, a a little bigger part of this 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 amazing, silly, confusing art form. And you know, whether it's these big franchise tentpole movies, whether it's tiny little independent thrillers, like it all it all counts. And I think movies are such a strange, and nebulous and uh, beautiful thing. And so. The Oscars are what the Oscars are, but they're not the most important thing. Watch a movie, have a good time. That's that's really all I can all I can ask every award season. And uh, I'm gonna have a more. I, I have a movie blog that I never that I don't attend to very much. But if you want to check it out, it's on WordPress. It's Britain D B R I T O N D as in dumb movies. Uh, <laughs> WordPress.com. And um, on Oscar Sunday, I'll be uploading my final top ten list for the year and also my like. I'll do my own little personal Oscar ballot, my favorite performances and scores and editing and all that kind of stuff. So if you're interested in that, that'll be up on February 9th sometime, Oscar Sunday. Um, anything else, guys, that we want to touch on before we sign off of this this long boy? I think we're good. We live in a society, and I'll <laughs> leave it at that. Accurate. Uh, so what? So next week we're getting, but next week we are getting back to it. We're getting back to our our regularly scheduled program. Alex, what movie are we doing next week? Uh, I believe the world is not enough. Yeah, it's, yeah. Am, yeah. I, am I correct? On it's that? not a Bond movie. <laughs> correct, starring uh, Bobby Carlyle. Um, yes. So. And Sophie Marceau. Sophie Marceau. Yeah. 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 Sure. Will we be able? Will we be able to withstand the pain like Robert Carlyle's character? We'll find out. Um. Guys, thank you for bearing with us through this this uh, episode. Uh, tell us your own favorite movies of 2019. You know, tell us what we what we forgot. Tell us uh, how smart we are. Um, tell t- me, tell me why Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker is secretly the best movie of 2019. <laughs> well, yeah. if you really want to do that, Tyler, how can they get in touch with us? Uh, I thought you were going to say, Tyler, how is Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker the best movie of 2020? They can get in touch with us. Uh, they go to herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. They can find us on Twitter at HCTSequels. They can also email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. Uh, we are also on iTunes and on Spotify, which you are. cannot get in touch with us, but you can leave us good reviews yeah. and listen to us. Yeah, and if you enjoy the show, uh, yeah, leave us a good review. Reach out to us. We'll read. We will read your stuff Hit on the air. That like Hit that button. Like smash it, baby. <laughs> and um, <laughs> tell a friend. You know, uh, Instagram about us, TikTok about us, tweet about us. Let us let, let the world know that the sequels are a coming, and they'll be coming back at you next week. Uh, and until then, I am Britain, and have been Britain. <laughs> and I'm Tyler, and you're a good night. <laughs> Wait, no. <laughs>